This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that remains in lockdown, even if no one else is. Uh, we have a restart date. The Premier League is due to restart on June the 17th, and the remaining games will be played, uh, but we don't quite know when it will all end. Uh, there seems to be more clarity with the FA Cup, which will recommence on June the 27th with the semi-finals on July the 18th, 19th, and a special birthday treat for me and Tony. The final will be played on August the 1st, when Chelsea will win, as we all know they would. Um, 50, 50th anniversary would be rude not to, wouldn't it? Well, um, you know, there's, there are all sorts of daft proposals going on, and whatever we think about whether it should return or not, and how awful it will be without us there, I suppose, grudgingly... I'll be looking forward to it and watching it when it does come back. At least we can get the bloody thing over and done with and look to the future. And the title of tonight's show is Back in Blue, Chelsea Fancast number 507. And of course, it would not be the Chelsea Fancast without this gentleman, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. As always, I bow my head in in grovelling supposition no, that's the wrong word Supin- suprination to more excellence <laughs> well uh, you know what I, I actually saw uh documentary evidence if that is in fact the word uh i can't do you know what for the life of me i can't remember where i saw it but you were very nice to me in a reply to somebody's facebook message or or, or tweet and i thought oh, he's a lovely man he's been really nice about me there did I say something nice you about did. you? You did. You did. I wish I could remember what it was, but it was it was very nice. Uh, I think now, I said something like, "Without Chidge, I am uh, 
Um, you I were the am, icing on the cake. That's right. It was exactly what I said. I said, Chidge is the cake. I am merely the icing. Well, I was going to write down that. No, you're not. You're the cherry on the top of the icing. Oh. Uh, there's too much love in this house. Uh, uh, right. Uh, we haven't seen him for a few weeks. I mean, as a, uh, just in case you lot are wondering what earth is going on with the fan cast at the moment, I probably said it before on the show, and I, I will obviously say it again. Um, we have a bit of a weird kind of uh, squad rotation going on at the moment. Uh, and that's largely to do with the subject matter which we're discussing week in, week out, which, of course, you know, our 50 Years of Chelsea series, uh, which we we are loving, and, and I know that a lot of you are as well. Um, but, you know, we kind of need to pick the right squad for the right, right fan cast Monday. So the old gits are featuring large. Not that my next guest is an old git. He's one of the loveliest people I know at Chelsea. He is Mr. Tony Glover. Evening, but I'm quite happy with being an old kid. Yeah. I, I, I wear my my advanced years with with pride. Your advanced gitness, yes, my advanced gitness. Because I, 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 the thing I like about it, J.K., is the fact that um, I no longer have to give a shit. Basically, I can pretty much say what I want, have my own opinions, wear what clothes I want. I'm not a slave to fashion. I'm a more of a victim of fashion. And uh, and I, I I rather like all of that. I rather like the I, li- I rather like being being accepted as a curmudgeon. Yes, I'm, I agree. I am curmudgeonly as well. I think we should form a club, the curmudgeons yes. club. Yes, yeah. indeed, indeed. <laughs> I'm well up for that. Uh, I'm a curmudgeon myself. So we're all in very good uh, company, of course. Um, I mean, of course, one thing about the lack of uh, real football to talk about is, of course, the f- means we can't get too curmudgeonly which is a bit of a disappointment, really. <laughs> you know, Monday's our kind of weekly opportunity to be curmudgeonly with everything. Yeah, Can't we be anticipatorily curmudgeonly? We could be. Well, I think we are going to be a bit, actually, in a minute, but we'll get on to that in a minute. Uh, right, on the show tonight, we discuss the imminent return of the Premier League and the FA Cup. How daft is it? Does it matter? Will we be watching it? And how difficult will it be knowing we can't be there? Uh, In parts two and three, uh, we continue our 50 Years of Chelsea series looking back at the 1977-78 season. Uh, Chelsea find themselves back in Division 1, but without the main man who got them there, Eddie McCready. Just how will they fare without him as they try and re-establish themselves as a force in Division 1? And of course, as ever, this, this week I promise we will get to it. In part four, we wrap up with your emails. And as ever, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea High for Fancast, where, of course, you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as so many of you do. Uh, and I can see that we've got our usual suspects in there. Kepler's in there. Uh, Rob Coombe, Drink Vodka. Hi, Freddie. Andrew Self. Hopefully we've got an email from you later, Andrew. Fingers crossed. Planet Earth is Blue. I saw Alan May School and many, many more besides. So after this very short break, we'll be talking about the Premier League coming back. Well, well, well. Um, you know, obviously the, uh, the, the. I mean, you know, they've been going on about this for weeks, haven't we? We all know it was going to happen. 
Uh, but the uh, the what does what's that? They, some of these burks on Twitter say communication uh, official or whatever. Some they use this Spanish yeah. term for it. Well, there was a, a communication official from the Premier League, and it is going to come back. From now, from what I understand, it kicks off again on Wednesday, the seventeenth of June, provided all the safety tests are cleared. Uh, and what they're going to do? They're going to wrap up the two outstanding games, which are Man City versus Arsenal, Villa versus Sheffield, because they were. Uh, postponed for various reasons and then everybody's on the same number of games to be played and then they will commence that on Friday the 19th of June uh the moment they're going to play them uh, at home we think and away all behind closed doors obviously although they're, they're going to plead the fifth on on games involving Liverpool where their fans are likely to turn up by the looks of it but nothing's being decided uh there's no full fixture list yet um with the TV times they haven't released those why would they I mean it's not like we're waiting or anything um, but I can tell you this, that there, there will be staggered... Now, see, when you, if you say to me, staggered kickoff times, that's that... I mean, every kickoff time for me is staggered because I'm usually yes. leaving the cock having had a few two pints too many, Tony. But <laughs> yes, anyway... Staggering, kick, though, isn't it? Well, indeed. That's very true, very true. But anyway, staggered kickoff times. Fridays will be at 8pm. Saturday will be at 12.30, 3pm, 5.30pm and 8pm. Sunday matches will be 12, 2, 4, 30 and 7. And midweek games on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays will kick off at either 6pm or 8pm. Uh, as I said earlier on, they don't know when the season's going to conclude. Uh, and we know about the FA Cup. I mean, that looks fairly standard. Um, all of the games, all 92 remaining games are going to be broadcast uh, live in the UK. And it will be split between Sky Sports, BT Sport, BBC Sport. So they're going to be on BBC Four, I think. And Amazon Prime. So there you go. Uh, Jonathan, what do you think of that, dear boy? Well, I'm intrigued that they're getting rid of these two games as quickly as they can, the two outstanding games, because then if anything happens, they can say, well, no, we finished this. We finished, everybody finished the season and yeah. they, they can then award it to Liverpool. So um, I think that's purely those two games that are for giving the title to Liverpool. So uh, uh, I think one should be cynical about those. Always. It's, it's exactly what I prophesied. I'm sorry to be pleased. No, no. Credit where credit's due. Credit, but I said it will be a football festival like we have never seen before. I said that about three months ago. And Uh, can I just qualify that? Can I qualify that? It will be a TV football festival like nothing we have seen before. Yeah, yeah. But I said, in fact, actually, I I slightly got it wrong. I thought there'd be five games in the day rather than the four. (laughs) I thought they'd start at nine o'clock in the morning, but no, perhaps I was just being a bit silly. But um, yeah, and well. Ah, it's it, the dilemma. With, well, I think what's going to happen. Well, uh, the, the, I, I hope this doesn't what happen. I hope there isn't a surge in in illness because, in which case, the whole thing will fall apart again. Yeah. But um, uh, but having said that, I, 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 in Germany, some of them have uh, have have tested and they've uh, positive for the coronavirus, and uh, the game it all seems to have carried on. So. They've, you know, they've been quite pleased. They've said two people from this squad and whatever, and it hasn't caused everybody to go into lockdown again or hibernate, whatever they should be doing. They've just got on with it. So um, if the consistency is that people of that age, young, fit men, will not get it uh, logistically, well, then um, uh, logistically it'll... Um, they'll, they'll carry on with it, regardless of the, uh, of the health situation. But I think if there's a huge spike... The, the whole thing, whole season, will well, whole thing are put in doubt, and then they can legitimately say, "No, no, everybody's played the same number of games, so yeah. we're, we're finishing the season." I think that's yeah. once again, I say my cynical view. But uh, from a positive point of view, 
um, my dilemma will be, shall I start watching all of the games? Because that is the lure. That is the, you know, you think, I, I actually like watching these players, some of them, and seeing how the play teams do, what it's going to be like. Or will I, after the second game of the day, go, I don't think I can stand it anymore. I'll wait just for watching Chelsea. We know we'll just have to see. It's really kind of weird, isn't it, Tony? I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen any of the, of the German football with no fans there. I've only seen bits. It's a load of arse gravy. We yeah. already know that. But I, I have to be honest with you, mate. You and I know we will be watching the Chelsea matches when they're on the TV. I can't not do that. And I just no. do. And I wonder actually whether we should temper a lot of our curmudgeonliness towards it by the fact that, you know, if you see your team play, you, even if they're playing on Mars, you're passionate about the fact that they're yeah. playing. Really, aren't you, to be honest? I've said before, if they were playing on you know, uh, Parsons Green uh, on a Sunday afternoon. I'd, I'd... I'd love them to be playing there on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, it would be something to, uh, something to behold, no, I think. So, uh, I, I guess, for me, there's there's a kind of slightly nasty taste in the mouth about the whole thing because, you know, the bottom two leagues have been cancelled. Uh, the Championship have announced they're going here today. Um, they're going to resume on the 20th of June. QPR have absolutely hit the roof because they said there's been zero discussion between the Football League and any of the clubs. Wow. So it's a, a completely arbitrary announcement without any consultation to the clubs. The Women's Super League has been cancelled. Um, and I, you, you know, I, I can't help but look at it with my cynical eye and say this is all about the money when it would have cost them 30 million quid per club to tell the television companies to sod off. There you go. I don't think it's that simple, mate. I think there's much more financially at stake than that. But everybody's in It's not like anybody can say they they will be unjustified with the pandemic. Yeah, every business... Force majeure. Well, yeah, exactly. They could just call out. So it's just a personal thing. I think um, I quite liked the awarding the title to Liverpool so that they don't win it. With an asterisk. Given... They're given the yes. title. There you go. There's a bit like an honorary degree, isn't it? Really, <laughs> you've been nice. You've been good. This you've been a good lad for a few. Having had to have a degree, so there's a bit of that there. But now, having said that, uh, I, you know, I, I noticed on the who will broadcast games, Amazon Prime, whose coverage and JK agreement with me was absolutely superb. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. There was none of that Super Sunday bollocks. You could watch whatever game you wanted to watch, and if you're not interested in any other team but your own. That was the perfect solution. It is the future for me because um, I will want to watch Chelsea away games. I can't go to them, and I, so I think I think Amazon are, are playing a bit of a longer game here. But what what I'm more interested in is if it's a what if it is a phenomenal success. What if this TV festival of football is so phenomenally popular and so brilliant that. Even with fans back next season, they decide to do something similar. But I think the, the, ad- the advertising revenue will be astonishing yes. this time. Yeah. Astonishing. It'll be like the Super Bowl. Yes. It will be absolutely at a premium. Yeah. It'll so, get more and more as it goes on. As For the year, it will just become... Uh, I, yeah. I think um, if the FA Cup final, for example, will be absolutely... Uh, you know, it'll, you'll have... It'll, it'll. Well, you wonder what firms will afford it. It might be yeah. you know, run by Coke or something, run by yeah, yeah, yeah. people that we just think will have got the dosh, you know. But it'll be interesting to to and, see who starts advertising within this environment. Absolutely, now, and you can call that a slightly 
oh look, they, that's not going to happen. It will go back to how it was. There are people in this game who are all about the money. Oh. They are all about how the format is done and all this. There will be people looking at this to see whether or not it's a bigger money spinner doing it this way in future. Added with the fans in the grounds, of course, but there's a lot of people. Don't forget, there's 40,000 in Stamford Bridge. There are far more people who are not in Stamford Bridge who would probably like to be there. And I just think that there's so there's opportunities here. So as much as the curmudgeonly bit comes across with my concerns about people's health, it's not just the players, it's the, uh, you know, the, all the staff and all this sort of stuff. Um, I'm sort of looking long term. I don't think any of us will be stepping a foot inside Stanford before November. Well, I, I think there's, you know, I, I, I'm with you both on that, particularly you, Jonathan. I, I, I think from a television point of view, it, it it's, I mean, if you ever wanted to put money on something being a surefire success, it will be this because I think people are, have been denied football now for it'll be about three and a half months. So people are going to be gagging for it. And I, and I, I think you're right as well. I've said this before, much as it pains me to say it. But we are in a singularly privileged position because we go to a lot of matches. A lot of our friends go home and away as well. But there are many, 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 many more supporters of Chelsea who never go to games and aren't able to go to games at all. So their only way of watching it is going to be on TV. Um, I, my only, I have two concerns, actually, which I'll share with you. The first is that because I am a curmudgeon, as we've already established, and a cynic, um, I, I do worry that this is the thin end of the wedge this is this is the first kind of uh, mm. the foot in the door to get us out and not going to football again, mm. which I just think will be criminal. But my other one is a bit more short term, and um, I, I'm with you both on the idea that this is devised to enable Liverpool to win the the damn thing, because they all want that. Let's be honest. But um, what worries me more is it might not just extend to Liverpool. We're currently fourth, with United behind us in fifth, only three points behind. If something goes a bit pear-shaped, and it won't take a lot for it to all stop again, what's the betting that they'll wait till United are ahead of us on goal <laughs> difference or something, and we're fifth? Oh, yeah, word. and then oh, well, let's all, let's let's all shut the league because now Chelsea can't qualify for the Champions League. I wouldn't. Nothing. Nothing would be past them in my view. Yeah. So I'm kind of a bit worried about that. So I think on the other side of that coin. I hope Chelsea realise that they they need to win every match. They cannot piss about. There can be no dropping of points. And, of course, we know, and we'll get... I think we'll talk about this in, in more detail when we get nearer to the, the kick-off time. But, you know, the players need to be fit enough. They need to be able to adjust to the completely bizarre scenarios yeah. that they find themselves in. If you look at the Bundesliga, home advantage has disappeared the number of teams that are losing at home has completely changed from when there are fans in the stadium. Decision making is different. You know, referees aren't, aren't under that pressure. There's a lot of things to go in this, and Chelsea are going to have to hit the ground running and win every flaming match, in my view, for the inevitability of them calling the league off when Chelsea are no longer in fourth position. <laughs> there were two things. I read. One was Joe, Joe Tweed's put a very interesting um, tweet up saying that uh, we may actually, because of this situation, be, be very likely to be able to buy much better players for next season. I think if we're not in the Champions League, it, it might not be as attractive, mm. but it, it might be depending on what wages they pay. Um, I never quite, I didn't quite get into his argument. I think he was suggesting in uh, just because of the amount of money that, that Abramovich has um, and the, the cut price that some of the players will be because of the 
the we've discussed this before because of the state some of the clubs will be in which mm. i thought was a very interesting tweet so um, even if we were not to qualify for the champions league we might find ourselves in a situation with four or five really top players this is a big if but i was intrigued by the the supposition and joe is a banker of course so knows yeah. these uh, knows what's going on is he a on. merchant banker yeah and uh, um, are you looking for a, a kind of um uh, just hanging it out there. I'm just there. hanging it out there. You are, you are, you are, you are, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I nudged you a little bit. He is, he is actually. I, I no, he, he is technically he is, a merchant really banker. Is. No, yes, I really he is. is. He is. Um, uh, the other point I was going to make, I've forgotten. So, uh, oh, bugger. Uh, Sorry, mate, my I think, fault. Uh, I, I, like, I, I did like that point that you made there, uh, certainly about players' availability, etc. because because of this pandemic, because of everything that's going on, that you have the potential for some fire sales. Oh, yeah, remember, yeah. 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 Sorry, do you mind if I just say the other thing? Yeah. yeah. Thank, thank goodness we didn't um, build the stadium. Yeah, too right, mate. I think this whole financial meltdown is 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 Sorry. yet yet to come come crashing down on yeah. us. But yeah. I mean, yeah. be under no illusion the the you know even with the TV money, you know the margins that these clubs work on. Very few of them are profitable anyway. And I mean, you know, we've all been in business and. You know, marginal profitability is what it's all about. And the bigger the organisation you are, the more important that that is. And if, you know, they would have lost a whole tranche of revenue from not being open for the last three and a half months like any other business would. So don't tell me that it's not going to hurt them. Anyway, final point on this. Um, is <laughs> Sorry, very quickly. Pete Sampson's just turned up and he says, hello, peeps, any good transfers on the horizon? No, 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 no. Don't, Pete, don't even encourage him. Don't even encourage it. Now, the final thing I was going to say on this, which is really sad, actually, and and I and, I mean, it's going to come back. They'll finish the season, yada, yada, yada. But I feel really sad that what was building up to be such a fantastic first season for Frank Lampard and mm. those young players is, is now always going to... I mean, whatever happens now, let, let's say it goes horribly wrong and they get cuffed every game. People will now remember that and not what happened before and what was happening before was we were on track to finish fourth we were beginning to get ahead of steam our form had been great in the last week or two things were really beginning to hum again and I think we would have finished really strongly and I think we would have easily finished fourth I really do think we might have had a real tilt at the FA Cup we may still do that but I think whatever happens now is going to overshadow that and I think that's such a crying shame it seems so unfair to Frank and those youngsters not necessarily Chidge they might um if they win everything yeah. and we suddenly discover that, well, yeah, I'll take it all back. Then we'll, we'll be, yeah, you'll have to but, take it all back. But, but no, even, yeah, but even so, there's not. I, 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 you know, exactly. Yeah. I may be the harbinger of doom here, and they may well, you know, finish really strongly, finish really well. They may win the FA Cup and all of. But even if they do that, J.K., it, it, it's it's been that whole organic nature of the season will have been taken away, and I think that's a great shame. I do agree. I think well, I've talked about it, I've talked about it recently quite a lot, which is the whole the whole impetus created by. Gilmore, the last two games, who was outstanding, and uh, and Giroud um, creating an environment where you thought actually this is possibly the best, other than the first few games of the season where they yeah. passed the ball at 100 miles an hour. This is the most resembling uh, uh, a proper setup that I've seen all season. Mm. I don't know what you think, Tony, about that, but I, no, thought- I agree. I agree. I think because we saw an almost rejuvenated Olivier Giroud, didn't we? Yeah. It was- yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like he's accepted a kind of father role within the within the team, um, and I, and I like that. I think that responsibility sits well with him 
um, anyway, I think he's he's a fair, he's got a fairly commanding personality. He's not a, he's not a wallflower on the pitch, is he? Um, and I, I think you're right. I think the, the fact that you've seen some of these young players coming through, I, I worry like Chidge does that some of that will be forgotten. But what it, I think it does guarantee is, it, it, I mean, it certainly guarantees Frank's future next season, which I think was we all said, didn't we, at the beginning of the season, we thought we had a he had a free pass anyway. Um, Has he got an even freer pass now then? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, because think he's handled it so well. He, 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 he did a... It's been wonderful. I agree, Tony. It's been wonderful. He's been a huge success for me. Yeah. This has been yeah. a hugely successful season, even ending here. doesn't yeah. matter where we go. I just think yeah. it's been exactly what they've... they've with the And I'm sure Abramovich think the same with the using yeah. the blend of youth plus experience has yeah. been absolutely fantastic. And also seeing the way that Frank is with the media, with the fans, that connection... Which we lost with um, with Sarri between the, 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 the kind of the squad and the uh, and and the, and the fans. I, I think he, he did an interview. It may well have been. It was a, certainly when we were in lockdown, and he came across very very impressively. Um, he, it, I guess, it's the, the you know the, the the one of the qualities of, of having a decent education and everything. But everything he says is very measured. Um, and he can say things without the need to be uh, a kind of come across as bolshy or, or anything like that. And, and it's, it's been a breath of fresh air. And I think possibly more so because of the big gap of Sarri and his rather sullen post-match, you know, post-match interviews that he did. And, you know, English is my first language. But I've, I've really enjoyed. And, and I think you go back to it, Chidge. When we, when we, but we, to we be fair, Frank, Frank's from Essex, so English isn't his first language either, no. really, is it? When we, when we went from... Budum tush. Sorry yeah. for everybody who listens from Essex. Yeah. I take it all back. Yeah, we went from you know we'd walk from the cock to the to the to the ground, thinking both of us, Chidge, you know, I'd rather be staying in the in the in the, yeah. in the pub. company Last, was better. Yeah, and so this season, you know, where we've been sort of looking forward to it, and you know, as I've said it before, and I said it on one of the previous fan casts, one of one of the games I enjoyed the most, ironically, was one that we lost at home, the, the Liverpool game. I just thought. The yeah. Last, 20, 30, 30, 35 minutes of that game, we were phenomenal. Phenomenal. I've and, been, uh, with, with having Frank as the manager, it has turned me completely into realising that you have to have a really fluent speaker who yes. is really capable yeah. of dealing with um, the media. Yes. Uh, which Frank is just brilliant. Yeah, he's brilliant at it, isn't he? Brilliant. He is brilliant at it. And uh, and it made makes me realise how... Um, Utterly incompetent, Sarri was because he didn't speak English very well. Similarly, how, Conte. how how so far away from his personality Conte was, um, because Conte yeah. you just had to watch any of the Italian yeah. um, uh, press conferences where he was this firebrand, which yeah. we never saw. And similarly, um, going back miles and miles of how ridiculous Ranieri was, known as the clown for the, for his his idiot attempts. At, I mean, to be fair to me, he tried all the time, but it's. It, He's a very it, nice guy, actually. I'm sure, but it, no, but no, it, it imposes it imposes um, a view of the club bizarrely um, from other supporters and the media because of the 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 uh, the way that the manager is. And Frank is superb. Just on, just on that point about Ranieri, I mean, he's actually a very uh, kind <coughs> of respectable, almost statesmanlike, you know, manager in football in his native language. 
But and he's a very nice guy and he likes to get on with people. But he comes across there for as a bit of a joker and a clown when he's trying to do it in English, and that was very very unfortunate. Final 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 point. I keep saying final point. This is the final point. One thing that has occurred to me, and okay, I, I don't really know, you know, the, the physics of uh, or the physiology of it all, whether these players can come back, you know, having had a long break and then a funny kind of weird pre-season before they do it, but. Of course, there's a good chance, isn't there? We had a lot of injuries brewing up. You know, Kante, as we know, has been plagued all season by injury. Pulisic had been out injured. Tammy had been out injured. Ruben Loftus-Cheek will have had another three months to, to get fitter, one would hope. So actually, there's a good chance that that break might have done a lot of our players some good and they might actually be fit and raring to go, Tony. Yeah, I think so. I think that from from the, the likes of Giroud and all senior players, they would have... Uh, they've probably been, you know, very uh, itchy fingers to try and get out and get out there and play. But the younger ones, who I still, you know, absolutely refuse to believe need as much time to recover from the games as people think. Uh, but I think they'll be eager to carry on the good work. They will have had, they will have had remote training sessions. They, they will be as used to Frank now as they were before the game uh, or before the, uh, the, 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 the the break or whatever. Um and and I think that's a good thing. I think that, that he'll have got his ideas across and, and the pressure of the games has been removed for that. So it's given him a sort of two to three month uh, period in which to kind of you know, inculcate the, the culture of what he wants into the players, into the club and everything like that. Now, you know, that, that, that goes for any of the clubs, of course. That doesn't just go for us. We're not we're by no means a special case in that sense. Where we are special is that we've brought back a an icon of of our club as a player, yeah. Put a lot of faith in him, and we're going to come on. I know we're going to come on to the the seventy seven seventy eight season, um, uh, which was, if you like, a blend of youth and, and experience as well, because we didn't buy any players for four years or whatever. Uh, and so there's interesting some interesting parallels there, I think. But I'm I'm. You know, I'll go back to this. The, the bit that sits uneasily with me is because, for example, I now know somebody who's in hospital in an induced coma with coronavirus. He's two years younger than me. He was my boss, and he's not expected to make it. And that kind of hammers that home much more than anything else has ever done. I've been looking at everything. And do you, I would sort of get political, but do you remember the days of the Northern Ireland Troubles? In the end, it just became another story, like Vietnam. No one sat there going, this is shocking. And and I think that's what's happened with this. They read out figures. They've statistified it, if you like, and turned it into KPIs. Or, well, Tony, or one of my favourite quotes is a Joseph Stalin quote. Which, you know, well, one death is a tragedy. Millions are a statistic. Yes, absolutely correct. And and, and so that, that's why it sits a bit uneasy for me. So it's for that reason and that reason alone that the whole restart thing sits uneasy. But on the other hand... I'm a football fan, and I'm a fickle football fan, <laughs> and I've missed football. Now, yeah. we, the irony is, of course, we've talked about mid-season breaks. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I think they were talking about a couple of couple of weeks, weren't they? Uh, rather than sort of like a quarter of a year. But it, it, that is another interesting thing to look at, you know, is if they did this and they said, like, OK, so that as we go forward, from now on, we will have a month's break in March. And then you'll have this TV festival of football 
for the Premiership. I think the that's season quite exciting. That's yeah. quite exciting. That's a very good point, Tony. Very good. Mm. Yeah. Oh, know, well, we, we, we live in interesting times. We it's, do. It's, you know, we, we wouldn't have dreamt about having this conversation. No, we wouldn't indeed. But there you go. Yeah. We will see what we will see. Uh, and uh, it's all out of our hands, of course. Anyway, what is kind of temporarily out of your hand, but doesn't necessarily have to be, is the wonderful CFC UK fanzine. Uh, obviously, you can't get it at the stall on the match day because we're not allowed, but you can still get it by post or, of course, digitally. Um, you can get it online at cfcuk.net or cfcuk can be brought to you via the Royal Mail or whatever your postal service happens to be uh, for £2. Uh, and that includes first-class postal delivery. Uh, all you need to do is to send your address uh, via email and pay using PayPal to cfcuk at gate17.co.uk uh, and you can also do that in the US and I think they're also selling them on eBay but the the, the latest one that's out is the, is the big JT special but you might have to hurry up as uh, DJ would say to get that because uh, I think it's been quite a popular issue but there you go right after the break we are continuing uh, this, this, I'm just having so much fun doing this this 50 years of Chelsea thing we're now up to 77-78 um and uh, as i said last week we were talking to the lovely mark Meehan about eddie mccready's blue and white army storming back to uh division one where we now find ourselves with this exciting young team um but there's trouble ahead there always is for chelsea we'll be back after the break Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Okay, right. Uh, welcome back to the Chelsea Fancast uh, with me, Stanford Chidge, and him over there in the blue corner, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. And him over there in the blue corner, because we only have blue corners on the Chelsea Fancast, if you've not figured that out yet. Uh, in the other blue corner, we have Mr. Tony Glover in his uh, local pub, actually, yeah, by the looks of it. with the local pub background, even though I've not been there. What's the name of the gaff? It's called the Rising Sun in Clanfield. It's, there is uh, a house empty. in Clanfield. Hence, the they like, call the Rising Sun. And it's, it's been about 15, it's about 15 years old. It was rebuilt. And this is a 1960s thing. Uh, the original pub was a stone cottage. And in the 60s, they went, who fucking was that silly old stone cottage? They knocked it down <laughs> and they built the pub in a day. No way. They shipped it down from Lady Margaret Road in Southall on the back of two lorries. So it was a porter cabin, effectively. And that pub stood there for the best part of 30-odd years before, in the end, the local council condemned it. And then they went and built this one. And they did a very good job. It's all nice wooden beams and, and open fires. You know, so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a bit of a mock, mock pub in that sense. But, you know, but it, they have done a good job. So, yes. And I feel kind of warm when I'm sitting with that background. Yeah, well, it looks great, mate. And it's a shame it's not open. We can't come and have a pint with you. Now, as you know, we've been uh, doing this 50 years of Chelsea uh, for, well, really since the lockdown happened. And uh, we started in 1970 with the FA Cup win. uh, And we're now up to 77-78. And uh, as I said, Chelsea are back, but not Eddie McCready. Um, 
I mean, what I'm going to ask you, Jonathan, well, both of you, obviously, but I'll ask you first, Jonathan. I mean, basically, we knew that Eddie McCready had resigned uh, by about June, July, didn't we? Nobody really knew why. Ken Shalito came in as his replacement. Excuse me, excuse me. Shalito. Sorry, Shalito. Thank you. Shel- I asked him personally. No, no, fair enough. What, how you pronounced it? You said it's Shalito, mate. Shalito. I said yes. Yeah. So, Ken Shalito. Oh, um, <laughs> no, Ken Shalito. He's, he's made the manager, obviously. He, he was the, the, the youth team manager at the time. So... Jonathan, what did you think about him? Because the love for Eddie Mac, I mean, I mean the, we, the, you know, Mark's enthusiasm and passion for it all just, just came so strongly through last week, didn't he? And the people loved that that Eddie Mac side. They loved Eddie Mac. He was a brilliant manager. And, and we're really excited about going back to Division 1 and then this happens. I mean, how did how did you feel when you've heard the news? I'm completely bemused. Oh, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> Typical Chelsea, Jesus, God. And that story went out that he'd asked for a car, which everybody heard about. We thought, took that for gospel. You read the book and it wasn't anything to do with a car. It was just the board being complete. See you next Tuesdays. I mean, I have to, the, the ability of that lot to shoot themselves in the foot, for God's sake. You know, I mean, he was the, I honestly think, I've said this to you last week, if they'd kept him... They would have, and they'd, they'd actually, uh, I know he made a decision to get rid of all the old guard, but I think the way they were going, if they then bought a couple of players, they would have, they would have done well, and they'd done well, got into the, the Fairs Cup or whatever, they'd have done really well in Europe, because this was an era where we were better than continental sides. We, that's why Forrest did well. We, last season, i.e. the season before this one we're talking about, they beat Forrest. And Forrest had all these great players uh, playing for them, and they were they were a, a, a you know a, a European Cup win, winners team in miniature. And then Clough Clough just bought a couple of re- extra players, and they became um, a really top team. And Chelsea had that ability with this this really advanced manager dealing with structures of the team and tactics that were way beyond um, anybody else that was going on. And it's very interesting to see under Shelato, it ceases to have the same diamond and relies enormously on booting the ball down the pitch a lot more, which is something that they never got rid of from that. Well, for various periods of their, of, of, of some of the seasons where. It's not how it, Eddie had them playing though, was it? I mean, he was no, playing no, no. Sure, short passing. No, yeah. Eddie had them, but it, it began to revert to this, mm. this lack of, of, I think he was unbelievably disciplined and Ken, uh, you know, despite being a sweet guy and attempting to maintain the the impetus, just didn't have it in him to get them to play the same way. Mm. And uh, and it was an absolute disaster. What were the boys doing? Jonathan, what, what, what? What, what were your hopes? I mean, you know, given all of that, you you must have been very excited to be back in Division One, but yeah. what were your hopes? I mean, I know I know you're both going to sit sit down and say to me, oh, but Chidge, every season we go in feeling optimistic that well, we're we going to win everything. We do, we do. But, but what were they really? Were, they, were your expectations no, because, high? Because, because they'd done so well. Well, in previously, from my experience, you know, in in when they got promoted, when they beat Portsmouth seven nil in '63, um, they came up, and I thought they're going to do well. And they did do well. And this is the thing is you then had the beginning of a new under Doherty, Doherty's, Doherty's Diamonds. They were great. Similarly, I thought Eddie Mack yeah. is going to come through. They're going to be a team to, to beat, beat teams 
because um, that, that was the norm at the time, because Forrest did it when they came up. You could come from the division below and and put the others to the sword for whatever reason, whether the energy of coming up doesn't happen at all like that nowadays, other than Sheffield United this season. That's very rare, but because they're always struggling, they don't have the same player power or the same tactics that, that the other team has got or the good enough as, as top top class a manager. In this instance, every, if anybody came up, particularly Eddie Mack, because he had this this tactical awareness that other people didn't. He's playing overlapping fullbacks. He's playing diamonds. He's got Butch pushed pushed forward with with Lewington behind him as as the tank as he as he was stated as being. So it was a it was a really good setup. And obviously they're not going to maintain the same uh, the same um, uh, uh, impetus because um, the manager's no longer there. And according to the book, of course, he, he he just they went in with some ludicrous deal. And he just said, well, I can't possibly accept that. And they said and he, and he resigned, expecting them expecting them to say, oh, OK, well, we, we'll give you a bit more money then. And his pride was such that he made a decision to leave. And what should have happened was they should have carried on and he would have become an absolutely huge successful manager without any doubt in my mind huge even european winning manager he was yeah. absolutely brilliant instead of which he swapped it for a you know a career in america and you think what could have been i know ah! must be so well it's very frustrating tony do you echo much of that i mean you know were you, were you dumbstruck when and when eddie went well, were, were like, your hopes and expectations dampened by that yeah i mean like jk said i mean we all thought the car story was that was obviously what the papers had got hold of or whatever we didn't have social media then so there was no rumors no viral things to go around at the time or you just kind of relied on what the, the, the likes of um i think his name was ken, Mon ken montgomery wasn't it or i think one of the famous old hacks or whatever and what they wrote uh, and it was that now i look back and i can see the parallels i, I see parallels with with, with the modern day Chelsea in the fact that, you know, that we were rewarded with a promotion second behind Wolves uh, to come up into into the Division One or whatever. You would expect we hadn't bought anybody for three years at that point. So, you know, Eddie McCready had more than done his job in blending old, I know he did good at some of the old guard, but, but in the way Charlie that Frank Lampard... Charlie Cook had a good, uh, good time. Yeah, yeah but Frank Lampard dismissed, you know, uh, got got David Louise out or whatever, or they mutually agreed to go because it was obviously, you know, they'd played alongside each other. I think for me, um, that it is how many times have we sat on the fan casts or even on the, the podding show when it was before it was furloughed, um, before I furloughed it at the beginning of the season, um, and said, you know, we, we win a we win a title and we sit back on our laurels. The the the, the, the reasoning given to the manager is you won it by six points, you won it by eight points. What do you need more players for? Yeah, and that seems to be a cultural thing within the club. Um, and it's a, it is a real shame. And this was about the time when my head was being turned um, by girls and pubs. Yeah, so there were other things competing with Chelsea. For me, I went to a few games that season because I remember how poor Stanford Bridge was back then. Um, uh, and I, I, you know, I thought Eddie McCready. I'm with J.K. He had everything there to go on to become uh, as 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 big a name in the game as as Dalglish or, or uh, possibly Clough or whatever. He had yeah. all of the ingredients, um, proper proper football manager, or whatever. And then they brought in Shelley and, and my first reaction was, who, who's he? 
you know. But I think maybe it was indicative of the, the, the parlous financial state of the club at the time. I think the East Stand had been built. Um, the rest of the ground was a house of cards, effectively. We hadn't bought a player for four years and we probably couldn't afford to go out and get a manager. Well, that's a, a that's a really good point, mate. We we had no signings um, with this season. We hadn't the season before. In fact, the only the only one who's really come into the squad this season. Some of the bit part players uh, begin to play a lot more. The likes of Jock Finiston, of course, he did quite well towards the end of last season. Clive Walker, who didn't really play much, but he gets a look in. Trevor Eilott is the one that moves up from the youth. What what do you remember, Trevor Eilott, Tony? I met him a few years ago. Um, um when they bought the Chelsea Chelsea veterans, I think they were called or something, and they played Petersfield in a friendly game. Uh, and it was he was he was such a lovely man. He was stood with um uh Clyde Walker and um I can't remember, was it Tommy Baldwin? <coughs> I don't know, but and he he was such a such a lovely man. Um but I don't think he ever really lit no. Now, to be fair, the the club, JK, you might disagree with me here, but the club, we still had kind of obsession with Peter Osgood, even then. You know, it was almost like we had that Osgood hangover for a good 10 years after Osgood. He was still left. being chanted for. They still yeah. chanted for him. Yeah. And I think poor old Trevor Ayler, like I said, nice bloke. I just. It was wrong time for him. Wrong time. Yeah. Although you know that that season that 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 season we had um, you know we had Super Jock and we had Tommy Langley. I'm going to talk about Tommy Langley in a lot more detail later. Jonathan, um, somewhat inauspicious start. First game away to West Brom. Now, if my memory serves me correctly, this is the start of the Great West Brom side of the late seventies. Oh, well, they were but, good. Yeah, but we lost three nil. And in fact, our, our first our first games up to the end of September, we had four defeats, one draw. And just the solitary win against Birmingham at home, um, you know, to kick the, the season off. I would imagine you. I don't know. I mean, what 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 games, if any, were you at then in that little run? Um, well, I, I flitted backwards and forward. It just depended entirely. Um, uh, it depended entirely whether because I, I was at uni then, um, uh, whether I was uh, attempting to get into the uh, get into the hull for uh, well second team. I was sub for the second team a few times. Otherwise, I was. I was in the third team because they all thought that I was uh, I was homosexual because I did drama, um, but that was the. Uh, I thought that was a prerequisite. Sorry, I didn't, didn't do really drama. Know. Well, that's what they thought. Funnily enough, and they said therefore I couldn't possibly be. Uh, they were a, different times, weren't they? Very <laughs> times. they thought I it's a bit. In... It's a bit like that Life on Mars series, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You know, with everybody as as uh, Gene, what's his name? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They they also thought that uh, I remember one bloke saying to me, "You said, oh, you said, I said, you said, you live in a castle." I said, I'm sorry. What? He said, you come from the south, don't you? You live in a castle. You're very <laughs> posh. I said, oh, oh, you said Newcastle. Yeah, I should have yeah. said, well, should why I do, yeah. Um, but um, uh, uh, what question did you ask me? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, it was a ropey old start. I mean, we we, we, we lost 3-0 oh, yeah, away I'm to West Brom. Oh, I got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I had, my dad still had a season ticket, um, uh, which was the... Uh, um, which was in as it was it, we'd been in the west stand and it then reverted to the east stand but east stand upper right in the front and i used to tell you i sat with jonathan perez and um uh and it was um so he tended not to go because there were too many stairs so he just left it and i went if i was down from uni or it was the holidays so it was a question of picking whatever game was around and i wasn't playing football for the uh, for the university on the saturday 
So, um, uh, so I would have been at the, I went to Fulham. I was at the Orient game. I was at the Norwich game. I, I didn't go to West Brom. I was at the Birmingham City game uh, and the Coventry game. Didn't go to Liverpool and Ipswich. It was basically all the games up until the beginning of October when uh, when obviously I was back at back at uni so but the usual st- the advantage of this era was you could start ropeily and then kind of get a bit of a run and not not be not be too much off the off the, the distance at the top but yeah they, they didn't start well no no they didn't indeed I mean you know certainly I think you can say this is the whole season but um just just looking you know up up until the end of the year so kind of end of December it just seems to me to be typical Chelsea. It's funny how nothing, I mean, nothing ever changes with Chelsea until you get to Roman Abramovich and Mourinho and then things go completely in a different way. But our, our ability to to lose to sides horribly is only matched by our ability to to beat the great sides when you least expect it. And, and, and you know, in a, in a sense, the season kicks off for us uh, with a one nil win away at United, which is still talked about now, I think that this is the match when a lot of people I know took the Stratford end in a very violent form. Uh, but Bill Garner scores one nil uh, in the in the win to United against United. We also win one nil against Forest, um, which you know again was an exceedingly good result, even though we'd finished above them in the league the previous year. Um, but they, I mean, they only lost three times that season when they won the league, and one of them was to us. That was Trevor Isler who scored in that goal, uh, in that game. And, uh, you know, equally, we managed to lose 6-2 away to City. 6-2 away to City, and we thought the 6-0 was bad last the other season. <laughs> Arsenal away, we lost 3-0. So basically, the end of the year, we've played 23 games, we've won seven, uh, we've drawn seven and we've lost nine. So very curate's egg and we've got 21 points. So do, do you remember it, Tony, as being a bit up and down all over the place Absolutely. like it is? Uh, in fact, yeah. I was at that game. Um, Which one? Coventry. So it was ironic that you sent that video clip through. Okay. Because um, as I was watching that, I was going, this is all very familiar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I love. I love about I'm the same as you, Tony. Every time I watch the YouTube, I keep thinking... I remember this. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. And and I don't. I, I I wouldn't normally trivialise it. I mean, we'd we'd come up. Uh, expectations were probably with the people I used to go there with were probably middling at best um, because of the Eddie Mac departure. Because none of us knew who Ken Shellito was. Um, I did. Yeah, but we. I, I guess we just I'm didn't know enough about the youth setup back then. We did. We didn't care about it. No, but he played fullback for England. He was Chelsea youth. He was yeah. late '63. He got um, injured. He had a knee injury. They yeah. tried to. They tried, hoped that he would still carry on playing, and he couldn't. I, I give up. I, just don't, I, don't, I remembered him as a player. That was my yeah. thing as well. Yeah, I think we. I didn't, um, and yeah. I think that was possibly because also at that time you 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 thought of the, the football teams you followed just in terms of the first team purely in the first team, and from the moment that you started supporting them. So I he was first team all the time. He was England yeah, was, for England. Yeah, but I only started supporting him in 1970. No, 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 I know, I know. I'm just yeah. saying, but he was yeah. a, he had a yeah. history, you know. And I think, so we had a kind of middling expectation. I remember going to that game and there's, uh, I'm trying to remember which one of the games later on was where I had my first uh, uh, run, where I had to run from Chelsea fans who were trying to kick our heads in, even though we had Chelsea scarves. It had got to that point. Yes, but that was a regular thing, though. Yes. I experienced that. I would, it, you'd see a group of 
suppose yeah. you've got skinheads wandering towards you and mm. you'd hide. Didn't matter who you supported. They yeah. didn't like anybody who was around you. It was very yeah. scary. And I think that was one of the things that made me think, <coughs> excuse me, is this what I want? Um, you know, yeah. the, the kind of fun was disappearing from football. You had a, mm. a growing national front presence. Uh, you had the people outside the ground making all of the links with Rangers. Um, stuff which I didn't really think had any part or parcel to do with football. What I will say about that team is I think that's possibly the greatest kit we've ever had. Ah, thank you, Tony. Thank <laughs> you so much for reminding yeah. me that. Yeah, it was so, go navy on. blue, beautiful kit. Beautiful. It's my favourite kit with the white socks and, and the and the, the umbro down the side. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. Collins. Wonderful. Collins. Um, and and, and I, I come from the 70s, but I liked, you know, there's, there's very few kits I've, uh, I've really hated, but that one is a thing of beauty. And it's just that kind of thing. I look at it and go, oh, that was the season we had that really fantastic kit. I think we probably had it for about four seasons then, because they didn't change it every year, did they, back then? By the um, way, can I just make a quick point? Will yeah. we be having a new kit when we start off again in, uh, in Well, it's been leaked, or something's been leaked, isn't it, onto the... Uh, onto the worldwide interweb thing. Um, uh, and of course, you would, I don't know what, what, what happens. They, they leaked something on there and said, this is Chelsea's new kit. And of course, you did get a barrage of people going, it's bloody awful, it's terrible and all this. And when you see it in real, you think, that's not so bad, I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think, think so many of them on Twitter are just some bloke who's uh, yeah. transposed uh, you know, a Nike logo on something he's made up and he's then, yeah. then giggling in his hands at the, the, uh, the effect he's having. Um, can I just make a couple of points about this? Yeah, sure. Coventry game? Um, uh, they were, they had a very good team Coventry. Uh, I know we, we, you know, you think, Oh my goodness, Coventry two, one, they lost, but they had hmm. some very, very good players. And I remember yeah. thinking at the time, um, uh, you just accepted it. They had good players. The boy Ferguson and the first goal, of course, he just Big knocked Ferguson, his yeah. over, and it was a it was a foul. He was he was difficult. He flattened Phillips. He's a different. He was a difficult. He was a he was a very competitive centre forward in a in the Costa mode to an extent. They put his foot mm. in, um, and they had Wallace with him, the little Scots player, who was really quicksilver. And they had the winger Graydon, who yeah, played right, for right. Phillips. Yeah. And they had Terry Yorath, who'd played for Leeds. Indeed. And they had Jim Holton at centre half. And he was he had a lot of years in him. They they were a, they for from a, I'm sorry, I'm mentioning names to people, they wouldn't get it. But if from that era you would go, actually, they're all good players. They were yeah. so they were a decent side. The other thing that I've really observed about forget about it is the difference not having the back pass rule made yeah. the whole game. Because yeah. it meant that nobody would follow up. Because they knew the goalkeeper would pick the ball up. Yeah. So consequently, it meant that there was less activity in the last third of the pitch. Yeah. And the, the and not and the goalkeeper not being able to to just pick back passes up yeah. has it makes you realise it how it, it's completely affected the game of football. Yes. Because it means yeah. that that um, the forward will keep pressing, thinking, where's the goalkeeper going to do it? Is he going to kick it aimlessly, put pressure on him? Then we'll get the ball back again. Yeah. And it makes you realise the number of times where the ball would go, um, somebody would challenge for it and just pass it back to the goalie. Everybody would 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 um, would leg it backwards to receive the ball 
booted down the pitch. And it actually changed as well, changed the tactics. There's an yeah. enormous amount of booting for a centre forward. And yeah, booting yeah. for, I mean, I'm bemused actually that Alot played a lot because they had Garner, uh, um, Jock Finiston, who was excellent. Finiston was excellent. And so was Clive Walker in the season. Yeah. We'll go on to that. Um, Finiston and, and Langley. So uh, how Alot suddenly got into it is beyond me. I didn't. I didn't. I, whether I don't know whether there are a huge lot of injuries towards the end of the season. But it was interesting to see how you required a big bloke always because the ball was booted by the goalkeeper so often and thrown out because. And that was why Benetti was in his in his element. He was such yeah. a get through the ball out so well because he got the ball given to him a lot and somebody would go wide and and there'd be lots more space for the fullback to receive the ball because everybody had backpedaled and it's interesting how that the therefore the back pass rule changing to the goalkeeper not picking it up has really had a huge effect on the game absolutely it, it I makes mean, you realize when you're watching that so uh, moving moving so, sorry yeah. tony moving things on a bit um I'm uh, notwithstanding the fact that they were playing in the weird Admiral kit with the stripes going from the shorts up the shirt. I'm very disappointed they weren't playing in their infamous shit brown kit. They were <laughs> playing in red. But that aside, let's move it on for a minute. Um, I don't know if either of you were at the Chelsea Forest game in November when we won 1-0. Um, no, definitely not. Okay. No. Just, just to remind people, right, how good that Forest... This is the Forest side that we played and beat that day, managed by Brian Clough. Um Shilton, Anderson, Barrett, McGovern, Lloyd, Burns, Gemmell, Boyer, substituted by O'Neill, with Woodcock and Robinson. Well, that, the- that is their that is their European Cup winning side for yeah. the next two seasons. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. so they were very good. Um, there was another match actually that we lost, but I thought we played very well. And I caught some highlights of this today, which is when we lost up at Anfield, two nil um, yeah. in about I think it would have been October. Yeah, October. Uh, and this is the Liverpool side that we, we played that day. Uh, Clements, Neil, Jones, Hanson, Joey Jones, of course, Hanson, Kennedy, Hughes, Dalgleish, Jimmy Case, David Fairclough, Terry McDermott and Ian Callaghan. I mean, again, this is the Liverpool side that won the European Cup just that summer before, would go on and win it again, retain it at the end of this season. Now, we lost 2-0. And actually, I thought we played really well and we were in the game. Uh, had it not been for Clements. Uh, Clements made some good saves, that's very true. But Kenny Dalgleish, the goal he scores in that is yeah, just yeah. it was very much like Oscar's goal against Juventus, actually. Yeah. That's what I thought. Mm. And that turn he did uh, in the second half was just but we were unlucky again, you know, we had attempts on goal. So I think it's interesting to talk about that match for what happens later on, which we'll be talking about in great depth yeah. in, in part three. But you know, we I, I get the feeling that for all me saying, oh, bloody typical Chelsea, they lose to the crap teams, they beat the good teams, they're all up and down all over the place. You know, even in the Coventry game, I thought we were very unlucky with that, you know, where it was a foul on uh, uh, Gary Locke for the first goal. Um, we hit the post a few times, you know. So I think, you know, the, the story of Chelsea's kind of first half of the season, if you like, isn't quite as poor as people would think. I mean... You know, as I said, I, I don't know about this City match. I, I, I'd forgotten all about that, by the way. Do you remember anything about losing 6-2 to City, chaps? I remember being embarrassed, but um, I don't remember anything about it. Those kind of losses, I tended to... You'd be ribbed horribly at, if you were at uh, college, but um, as you are normally in these situations. But uh, I hid my head in the sand. So They had a good side as well, actually, if you just they run did. through this. 
Corrigan, oh, Clements, Donachie, Booth, Watson, Power, Barnes, Shannon, Kidd, Hartford, Stewart. Yeah. Oh, so there's, you know, Corrigan. Uh, these are the internationals. <coughs> Corrigan, Clements, Donaghy. I'm not sure about Booth. Watson was an international. Power wasn't. Uh, Peter Barnes, Mick Shannon, yeah. Brian Kidd, Asa Hartfordshire, all internationals. So they were a good side then. Booth was Corrigan. Corrigan was also the tallest goalkeeper around at the time, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, he was, wasn't he? A bit of a freak at six foot four, wasn't he? Which, of course, so, is now almost like the minimum height requirement, but... Anyway, funnily enough, you've both expunged that from your memory. All power to your elbows. Now, uh, we're going to have a quick break. And uh, then in part three, we are uh, going to be talking about what happened in the second half of the season, which, in my humble opinion, includes one of my... Probably the first game that I ever... You know, Chelsea really got onto my consciousness as a kind of a, an 11, 12-year-old boy. And it's still one of my favourite matches today. And I think it would it would have been... Uh, it was on big match. I think it might have been on match of the day as well. Because uh, it was a cup match. And it's absolutely legendary. And we'll be telling you all about that after this break. But before that, I'm going to tell you all about Patreon. Uh, which is a very nice vehicle. Kind of a website thing where you can donate money to the cause. And uh, say thank you for all the horrible work. Sorry, the great work that we do. And also you can communicate with us a little bit as well. And when the season's kind of actually going and we're all going, we, we try and do a few things for you and shove it up there that we, you know, stuff that we don't shove anywhere else. But uh, very easy to do. You just bung, uh, you you'd sign up, patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Very easy to donate there. Um, you donate per month, so just a couple of quid every month. It's a bit like paying for the fanzine, really. And as I said, you can get hold of me, message me on there, and I'll try and give you a message back. We will join you after the interlude. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. 
I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back everybody uh, to part three of the Chelsea Fancast uh, with me, Stanford Chidge, and Jonathan Kidd. Uh, Buonasera. And uh, the Reverend Tony Glover. Bonsoir. There we go. Uh, now we're right in the middle of, uh, literally right in the middle of the 1977-78 season in our uh, ongoing series, 50 Years of Chelsea, which we are having so much fun talking about. Now, um, we finished off, uh, actually, the, the, you know, the, the year finished off with this incredible uh, win by Chelsea. I'm just wondering if the boys remember this. Uh, the last game of the year uh, in 1977, literally the last game of the year, on the last day of the year, New Year's Eve, Chelsea played Birmingham away. And they won 5-4. There are a lot of... I've noticed this, actually. Number one, Chelsea's away form is decidedly indifferent. But also, you know, they're on the end of a few tonkings, but they dish a few out. And there are quite a few... Ma- I mean, there's, there's, I'll talk about the, another match of this ilk, which, which lives long in the memory of many, which is Chelsea's 5-3 win against Ipswich. But talking about the Birmingham 4-Chelsea 5 one, do either of you remember this at all? Uh, yes, um, and I remember it because uh, one of the... Birmingham were always one of those teams that you just... They'd never even figured on your radar, really. I, I, I was never, you know, the, the the kind of Midlands club that always stood out back then was was obviously was more Aston Villa, and Birmingham were always almost like the Chelsea of the Midlands, the, the sort of also rans or nearly men. Or okay, here's a quiz question for you, Tony. Who were they managed by that day? Um, no cheating. No, I, I I I can't remember. All I know is is they had a, an absolute boy wonder of a player called Trevor Francis. No, not quite. Well, yes, he did. I t- I take that all back. You're right. Trevor Don Francis Saunders. was playing. No. Yeah, I was going to say Don Saunders. No. Uh, was it Don Ron, Ron no. Saunders, wasn't it? Uh, no. Oh, no, Don no. Howe, then. no. Alf Ramsey. Oh, really? Alf Ramsey. Good Lord. Of, of course, the one thing always confused me about Birmingham is they're called the Blues. They are. Which always used to uh, annoy, annoy you. Always yeah. annoyed me. Always. Yeah, quite right. Think. And people say to me, no, you're the pensioners. No, we're not. We're not pensioners. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so Alf Ramsey's managing Birmingham that day. I didn't know that. That's a great, that's a great quiz is, question, isn't it? Isn't it? Because I, th- I, um, I don't recall what he did after. The- no, exactly. Okay. Uh, Trevor Francis scored two of the goals. I mean, yeah. basically, it was, it was you know, Birmingham scored first on 90 minutes. Then Tommy Langley equalised on 24 minutes. Then scored the the third or our second on thirty seven minutes. Then Francis equalised on thirty nine minutes. Bill Garner put us three two ahead uh, on forty four minutes. So it's three two at half time. And then Tommy Langley almost immediately after the break scores his hat trick goal on forty seven minutes. Then then Clive Walker scores on seventy nine minutes. So it's five two. Right, should be game over, right? Nah, this is Chelsea. Francis scores on 88 minutes and Hibbert scores on 89. It finishes 5-4. What a way to end the year. But uh, as I said earlier on, leading up to the uh, you know the break, um, we are about to, I think, uh, have one of the most legendary matches of, of Chelsea's entire history in my book because we're, we're drawn in the FA Cup, for, you know, first round proper uh, against Liverpool at home. Uh, and uh, as I said, you know, at the time, Liverpool... Uh, you know they're 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 third in the table, so they're not they're not uh, you know they're not they are league you know they are the league holders. They're also the holders of the European Cup, having won it for the first time the year before. Um, we've just come up from the second division with a team full of youngsters. 
And we've got Liverpool. This is the Liverpool team we played. Clements, Neil, Jones, Hanson, Thompson, Kennedy, Hughes, Dalgleish, Fairclough, Highway, Johnson, Callan. Pretty decent Liverpool team, right? Uh, now, okay, hands up of you. Those of you who were there, hands up. No. JK was there. Therefore, JK gets the honour. What did you expect to happen as you walked through the gates? I thought we would be drubbed horribly. Why? Because they were the European champions. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> and we were not a very good side. We but were kind of mid-table at the time, weren't we? Have a go. But mind you, we had one against uh, Birmingham and we'd then drawn against West Brom, who weren't bad. So uh No Ray Wilkins either. No on the day. I mean I just let just let me tell you the team because I think this makes it even more astonishing actually. Peter Bonetti, Graham Wilkins, John Sparrow, Ian Britton, Ron Harris, Steve Wicks, Bill Garner, Ray Lewington, Tommy Langley, Charlie Cook, uh who's now about five hundred and three, <laughs> and Steve Finiston comes on as a sub, thank God he does, uh, and Clive Walker. But no Ray Wilkins. But Clive Walker though was completely brilliant. Absolutely. It was the best game of his life, wasn't Absolutely it? Absolutely the best game of his life. And I was, you know how you have that thing about being in line? I mean, somebody even mentioned this on YouTube. But uh, my seat was such that I saw him go to what the first goal he scored, which is this pile driver. Look it up on, on YouTube. Yeah. It's kind of banana shot, wasn't yeah. it? Which takes everybody by surprise and just nips into the top left-hand corner. And you saw him going for it. And I remember going, oh, oh, good, oh, good. But it was right in line. You know, you just see, oh, God, I'm following it right through in slow motion into the corner. Oh, wow. You're in the West, were you in the West Stand then? East Stand, East Stand on, um, East Stand Upper. Right. East Stand Upper, almost on the half, halfway line. But he's so, you're coming and you're watching him go across. And he could, but he, he, he had such a turn of speed, bless him. He was, uh, he was a very decent player. Um, get an opportunity, anybody, to w- watch any of these games around about that era. He uh, give him the ball. It wasn't a, it wasn't rocket science for him. He just beat. He was quicker than everybody. He'd put the ball past them uh, and sprint forwards. And his impetus, it would. I keep using that word, but his uh, momentum would keep him going. And he had a great shot, uh, or and a great centre. You know, what, th- what else do you need? I think. I mean, he was great, but I. I it's really interesting, you know, because my my memory of it was always it was all about. Clive Walker and yes I know he scored two goals the fourth and final goal was a bit of a tap in really but I always go away from that match thinking oh it was all about Clive Walker it wasn't at all it was a really great team performance they defended like Trojans and I forget that it was only 1-0 at half time yes. and then basically after after just after half time they scored on the 50th minute and the and the 52nd Steve Finiston Tony scores an absolute belting goal but my favourite is Tommy Langley's my favourite because that odious twat Phil Neal passes it back to yes. Ray Clements yeah. and Tommy Langley had figured out that's what he was going to do and he skated past him and he put the ball in. I mean, if 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 Luca Viali or Hernan Crespo had scored that goal, we'd all be raving about it. Yeah, but it was brilliant, wasn't it? It was indeed, and and I can only think of Tommy uh, Langley's performance that day as marauding. That's the word that fits yeah. uh, for him. Um, and there was a determination, wasn't there, in that whole that whole team that day that surprised everybody, I think. Not least of all, um, the commentator, because I think it might have been Brian Moore, I don't know. It was, uh, it was. The clip I saw of, of you know... He made a wonderful statement of saying, for those watching in black and white, yes. it's a clash, didn't it? Mm. And Chelsea are the ones in the white socks. White socks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it was, it was, that was remarkable. I mean, um, and like a lot of people, I think, you, you kind of... 
I, I can't remember what I did that day. I wasn't at the game, but it was one of those where I fully expected to come home, turn on the football results, and uh, and and you know see a bit of an arse kicking yeah. uh, going on. And and the shame of it is, of course. Is it was all in the end? It was for nothing. No, we'll get we'll get there in a we'll minute, there, won't we? Yeah, we'll go but, back to what you said about turning over big teams. But then, uh, in in the meantime, I, I still think that that's got to be one of the greatest cup wins we've ever had. I mean, you know, considering who we were playing, we played them off the park, and they were the European champions. We yeah. then go and beat. Uh, this is a ama- I love this sequence of results. Uh, we then beat uh, Coventry City. No, sorry, we lose to Coventry City. Jonathan's second favourite team. 5-1 <laughs> uh, away at Highfield Road. Uh, they even have an Osgood playing for them. Not the Peter Osgood, but just to rub salt into the wings, they have an Osgood. Osgood. Keith Osgood. I think it, yeah, I think it, that, that's right. Uh, we then play Ipswich, where we win 5-3, uh, which is a game that is on YouTube, which the boys have all seen, which was remarkable. Tommy Langley, again, scores a cracking goal, but the, the two goals from Kenny Swain, that real ding-dong match. And this is an Ipswich team that, although they struggled in the league that season, I'll read you their team out. Cyril, Mills, Tibbet, Talbot, Hunter, Osman, Osborne, Walk, Mariner, Alan Brazil, bless his heart, Geddes and Gates. That's kind of the classic late 70s Ipswich side who won the cup that the year. Thing they're missing is uh, Tyson and um, Muren. Yeah, who came in a couple of yeah, years later. But that's right. But it was... That, yeah. that, that became a great Ipswich team. They won the cup that year, although they didn't do too well in the league. Um, but a real ding-dong match. We win that 5-3. And then we have Burnley in the cup in the fourth round, and we win 6-2. And uh, who scores the goals? Droy, Wicks, Swain, Walker, Langley, and Wilkins. So the goals are all shared around. Were you at that match, Jonathan? Uh, yeah, I think I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would have been. Any particular memories? No. Who were playing? Uh, I think Chelsea were playing. Okay, just checking. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> His face. <laughs> Tony, any memories of that game? No, because now I'm looking at it, I'm going Tuesday the 31st of January 1978 yeah. at 3 o'clock. That's weird, isn't it? off on a Tuesday. Do you know what? I've just noticed that. What on earth is going on? Why were they playing on a Tuesday in the FA Cup? On the 31st of January. Yeah. Maybe it's a typo. I can't believe maybe, that. Maybe, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to go, of course, now to my Google Calendar and Google that date. Yeah, I think well, you should. That away. <laughs> yeah, that's really weird. We then play Man United in the league at home. We win 2-0. Two, two Sorry, we draw 2 all. Any Either of you at that one? Yeah, I was at that one, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, another good result. And then we have the fifth round of the FA Cup, uh, much to Tony's delight, played on a Saturday. Uh, and we go away to our old cup friends, Orient. As far as I'm aware, Jonathan, uh, the wall remained intact for this cup tie, but I could be wrong. No, in fact, it this, it fell down here as well. So, so we now got a hat trick of wall falls <laughs> at Orient. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, uh, it's nil nil. It made me doubt that any of the other wall falls. Were, I know. I remember definitely that it, definitely there was a collapse of a wall which wasn't mentioned as much when we lost three two because it happened towards the end. But this happened right at the beginning, and uh, and of course they were then accused of of running on the pitch again. You know, when in actual fact they're they're trying to avoid being crushed. There because it was an era once again of people, and it got worse and worse and worse. People just crushing everybody towards the front. Yeah. Do you remember anything about this at all? I mean, a disappointing result. What the nil nil or the one two? Yeah. Well, the nil nil. We'll get to the one two in a no, minute. Um. Uh... Uh, all over them, but they weren't. But they they weren't bad. They had some decent players. Kitchen, Kitchen was a star. Well, he was a really really good player, and uh, and it's the kind of player that in the past Chelsea should have bought. 
because I think he'd have done wonderfully. He was a very, very skillful player and, 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 and ran it for them, you know. I see I see in the second leg, uh, now we're back at Stamford Bridge in the replay, and I see they had Jack Grealish playing uh, for them in defence. Yeah, if there, there is a there is a Grealish. I wouldn't realise that he's he's fifty five playing for Villa. And and Glenn Roder, it might actually have been the real Glenn Roder. I don't know. They had a decent side again. Some of those yeah. players were really decent. Hoadley was decent. Um, Roder, as you say, uh, Rugby was a decent fullback. They were they weren't mugs, you know. No, but uh, what do you know? What division they were in at the time? Second. They were in the second division, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think they probably were. Anyway, so uh, well, fifth they, round of the FA... Also, because their goalkeeper, Jackson, he was Jackson. he was one of those that went on for, oh. for decades, didn't he? Excellent with Palace. Excellent goalkeeper. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic save. But yeah, yeah you, you, with that kind of class, you, it's always you think somebody's been put through. Oops, the goalkeeper's pulled off a, a, a worldie, you know. Yeah. Anyway, um, we're still uh, expected to... We're, 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 the 31st of January 1978 was indeed a Tuesday. So maybe it was played then? Yeah. That's weird. I'd love to... If somebody knows the answer to that... Ah, ah, right. Okay. I saw Alan May score. I knew we could re- rely on you, my friend. He says the Burnley game was an evening kickoff on a Tuesday. So it wasn't at three o'clock. So that's... that. Oh, I don't think it's... Anyway, whatever. It was a, an evening kickoff on a Tuesday carried over from a postponement on the Saturday as the pitch was waterlogged. Ah, so now we know. Brilliant. Well done, my friend. Right, Chelsea won Orient two. Not the result we were expecting. We've just knocked. We've knocked the uh, you know the European Cup winners out of the competition. We've absolutely hammered Burnley, uh, another old foe of ours in the FA Cup, and uh, we managed to lose two one to uh, Orient in the in the fifth round at home. Now, the the highlights that I've seen on on uh, YouTube were made more amusing uh, by the fact that the uh, commentary is done by Bob Mills, who is uh, Orient, the comedian who is Orient's only celebrity fan. And it's clearly been whipped off some Orient DVD of their greatest match ever or something like that, as far as I can remember. But do either of you two remember this? Were you there, JK? Yeah, I was there, yeah. yeah. And? Um, uh, I was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Did we deserve to go out, do you think? Uh, were, were, well, no, they, were we they, shocking? They, they suckered us. I just felt there was it was an era where... All the teams gave the ball away too much and got tackled in midfield because it was all very congested in midfield because, as I said, the ball was booted up the pitch an enormous amount because that last third was hardly used other than centre-forward rushing up and, and trying to head it down for somebody. Um, and Kitchen was just exceptional and was the difference between the two sides. So, uh, And they, it's a bit like the Taylor the season before against uh, mm. Palace. He was the, the difference. So they scored two won. goals, of course. Jack Jackson was on fire again. Jackson was yeah. a very decent um, goalkeeper, and they were they were they were all right. You know, they had some decent players, but you know, it should never have happened as usual. You know, it was a sort of typical Chelsea. Um, uh, well, uh, against a smaller side again, or a lesser yeah. side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, why we go into games now? Uh, against lesser sides, and and I'll often joke down the pub and say, well, I'll, "I'll take the draw today, really," because it's it's almost. It's a trademark. I'm sure other fans of other teams think the same, but we do seem to have this unswerving capability every now and then of you know finding the banana skin and then very publicly skating down Fulham Broadway on it. Um, I will not mention Bradford, for example. 
you know, those sort of games. And I think you're right, actually, even though I was saying about Roman and Mourinho, we still have it in us to do daft things. And it yeah. seems to be, it, it, but this is, this has been the case with history throughout their entire history. This is nothing new. And just to prove the point, we get knocked out of the FA Cup against Orient, who we're expected to beat in a replay. Who's our next opponents? Liverpool, Liverpool. at home. Now, Actually, surprisingly, Liverpool are fifth in the table, so they're not they're not storming away with it as they quite often were in those days. Forrest are doing that, but we're fifteenth again. We are not expected to win this. What happens? We bloody win three one. Yeah. Remember that, either of you? Yeah, I was there that one game. I wasn't there. I got a free ticket. I got freebie entry with my cousin Trev, who took me there. So. Clever Trevor. Yeah, and um, I just remembered the fact that. It was one of those that I would normally have said, I don't want to go to this because I've got a feeling we're going to get absolutely arse whipped. Um, but it was too good to turn down. It was a lift there, lift back and everything like that. Um, uh, and I got on well with my cousin as well, you know, both uh, long, long in the tooth uh, Chelsea fans. Um, and it was yet again, it was just one of those games where you just sat there thinking, <laughs> it's probably why I am like I am. Because I was sat there so convinced that we were going to lose okay so convinced that that this team i'd already had enough for shell it over then right you know this was always i was now starting to get into this position of we should have gone out we should have got cloth when we had the you know or we should have done this or we should have done that um and uh got got someone who knows bloody football or whatever not some bloody idiot from the back room or whatever uh, and, and then we go and put in a performance against liverpool um you know and and you know let's no, let's not kid ourselves. This was the Liverpool of Bob Paisley, arguably an even greater side than anything Shankly had strung together. Well, just just remind you of their team, Tony. Clements, Neil, yeah. Smith, Hanson, Kennedy, Hughes, oh. Dalgleish, McDermott, Highway, Sooners, Fairclough, yeah. and Jimmy Case coming on as a sub. Yeah. I mean, it's the classic Liverpool team, isn't yeah. it, almost? Yeah. yeah. And there's proper there. hard cases in there, isn't there? Jimmy Case... Soon this bloody hell. Emlyn Hughes was exactly wasn't exactly a wallflower, was he? Nope, nope. Crazy <laughs> horse. And uh, Chelsea. I mean, basically, it was nil nil at half time, and then Tommy Langley scores on fifty minutes. Finiston uh, scores on sixty, <coughs> and then on ninety. Uh, and Liverpool scored on the forty eighth minute. So actually, they went one nil up. Bloody hell! With a Phil mm. Neal penalty, so we were one nil behind. Yeah, and we still won three one. Mental, isn't it? I yeah. was. I remember now. But, but funnily enough, I, I went with great optimism because we'd won the beaten them in beaten them in the cup. I remember, I remember because it was in March as well, so I'd have been able to be there. I remember being there. Was there any opportunity to get there and use my dad's ticket? I did. So uh, yeah, I was there. But uh, I mean, once again, it's a bit foggy. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, no, in this instance, oh, well, I suppose you have that thing of thinking, well, we beat them in the cup. Well, we might we might very well beat them in the league. And that's exactly that's exactly why I didn't think we'd beat him in the league. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely thinking all the time. Nah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And the interesting, I've just I've just noticed it, a, a discussion on on the um, uh, in the mixler room tonight or whatever. But I just remember how apart from anything, you talk about how bad the ground was and you know the the football and the atmosphere was reflecting a society that seemed to be uh, you know on a downward spiral or whatever. But the pitch at Stamford Bridge, I don't recall it being, uh, you know, the worst one, but it was very indicative of the time. I think then we didn't really know how to look after football pitches. Yeah, didn't everybody, every team was like that. Yeah, yeah I Mud think that's what I'm saying. Is the back then, you just used to take it for granted that 
players would be covered from head to toe in mud, where of course they now slide and they just get a bit wet because yeah. there's barely any earth there or whatever. Plastic burn. Yeah, plastic burn or whatever. Um, but also the fact that the pitches were sporadically green, I think is the best way to describe them, you know. Um, they were muddy, sandy. There was, oh, it was. I, I, I don't actually look back particularly nostalgically at those pitches. I'd hate no, to not at all. It amazes me that the players played as good football yeah. as they did. I mean, look at Liverpool, great passing team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we, yeah. we had our moments. Anyway, uh, the next quirky match is uh, towards the end of the season. We're basically now languishing in about 16th, 15th, 16th position. So relegation is not, not too distant away, but I think we're pretty safe by now. We go to Upton Park and uh, we play West Ham United. Now, um, this is a bizarre match. Bill Garner puts us 1-0 up, right? And then basically David Green, I think it's David Green, but Green absolutely clatters John Phillips, kicks him in the head, I think. He spark out. So Tommy Langley has to come on for Bill Garner and goes in goal, right? And then it's 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 just all over, you know. They they, they score, I mean, actually, they, they, to be fair, he kept them out until the 79th minute. Uh, but they end up winning 3-1. I mean, if you see it on YouTube, which I'm sure you have, it's just a nuts game. But anyway, there's a cons- one consolation, small consolation. <coughs> West Ham, West Ham do end up getting relegated that year. So, or, you know, I can, I, I, I'll take losing to them and them getting relegated any day of the week, really. But I mean, ultimately, the se- name for the referee that game as well. Uh, what was his name? Jeff what was his Bent. name? Jeff. Well, yes, indeed, <laughs> he probably was. Uh, okay, so the season kind of peters out a bit with a bit of indifferent form. The one match that does uh, strike my attention is a 6-0 loss up against Everton on the 29th of April, 1978. That would be my mum's birthday. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, do, do either of you recall that one? That's a bit of a horrendous shellacking, no pun intended, Shalito. I think I would have just put my fingers in my ears when I saw that come through on the teleprinter. Bottom line is we end up finishing the season in 16th, having played 42, won 11, drawn 14, lost 17 with 36 points. So, I mean, a pretty <coughs> crappy season at the end of the day, which we'll talk about when we, we summarise in a minute. But we've just mentioned Tommy Langley going and goal then. But uh, I have to say, I think this is the season of Tommy Langley. 44 appearances, 13 goals. He even ends up going in goal for us. And as, as Tony Heat described him as marauding. Mm. But I thought he was superb that season. Mickey Droy, he wins the player of the season. But, you know, who else particularly caught the eye that season, JK? Uh, well, Clive Walker, obviously, whose uh, uh, um, energy and enthusiasm was really um, um, uh, made you... I'm surprised he didn't win player of the year that year, actually. Who? Um, Clive Walker. Clive Walker, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was a blonde bombshell back then, wasn't he? I didn't quite understand... I think perhaps that business of him flashing out of the window went in his uh, uh, allegedly didn't um, mind. You, I think you know. I think he, he did do it because I think he was uh, uh, he was up before the beak for doing that. Um, uh, but it made him slightly of a, a figure of fun as a consequence, which was unfair considering his uh, his immense talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was uh, he he was a real uh, a real firebrand walker. Yeah. Um, uh, Kenny Swain was still pretty good. I liked him. Um, uh, I didn't think Butch had as good a season as he had this season before. Not he didn't play every game. He only played 37 games this season. He must have been out with a few injuries, I suspect. Um, 
Peter Benetti uh, was in and out, and Phillips. I didn't think either of them was quite uh, up to it, up to the up to the standard of the first division the required. But having said that, though, I thought Clements was a bit dubious in the in the cup game as well. So perhaps perhaps all the players weren't up to the standards that we see nowadays. And yeah. I think I'm using using that yardstick to judge them by because they did both te- lots of teams gave the ball away an enormous amount, and you knew you know latterly with certain teams, Chelsea teams and players, that that was the main thing was keeping possession. I think that was all all across the board is teams kept better possession. But once again, goes back to my theory of the ball being played longer um, and uh, much more congested in midfield. And they weren't as fit, obviously. So, um, you know, football has really changed. Uh, uh, So I always always like Steve Wicks. Yeah, well, he was a mainstay, a mainstay. He played 43 games that season. Like a, a kind of uh, uh, for want of a better phrase, kind of midfield sort of general, if you like, you know, but that kind of player that worked relentlessly in the background, never really seemed to get any um, plaudits uh, for, for, for for what he did. And it's very easy for those players to be lost in the, they get lost in the melee of everything else. And, and this is massively before football's Hollywood, Hollywoodization by Sky or whatever. I wonder if Steve Wicks, or there was a similar player today, whether he would be far more lauded in the sense that... Well, I mean, I, I, always, I, I always saw him... I mean, you know, him and uh, uh, Mickey Droy were like the mainstay of the central defence. Great big blokes. And, yeah. and you know, it's kind of what I... I you know, I kind of... Ex- I ex- you know, 1970s-style football, I expect my centre-backs to be big man mountains and yeah. centre-fours to be great big hulking hod carriers who took no prisoners. And we were still very much in that kind of day. I mean, I'm intrigued by Super Jock, who who I think struggled a bit this season. He only played 21 games, scored four goals. When you consider he scored 26 goals when we went up the year before, it looks like he, he, he found it harder. Substitute a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, there was a few few people we were seeing the last of, quite sadly. Uh, foremost amongst those, Charlie Cook. He only made seven games this season. Uh, and he went. Uh, John Dempsey, of course, disappeared earlier on. I think uh, David Hay, of course, of whom so much uh, w- had been hoped for. Uh, he only made seven starts, and uh, of course, he went out because he, he detached his retina, which he never really got uh, got over. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know um, who else? Ray Lewington did all right. Uh, <coughs> Ch- Chopper, Chopper, forty-two appearances that yeah. season. Yeah. No one, no wonder we leaked so many goals. Who <laughs> said that? I think that um, David Hay was a uh, a huge disappointment. Um, yeah. As a signing, thousand. Yeah. It was the club saying, well, "All right, we may have got rid of of the stars, but we're going to make one gesture." And in a sense, it would would have been better not to have spent that money. And uh, uh, and given it to the stand because they might then have been able to make a better purchase um, the following year or some smaller purchases just to fill the fill the cracks over because mm. uh, um, he just he just did not did not deliver at all. We we should give a big up to it's Ian Britton. He was the, he was the, hang on hang on Tony. We should exciting. give up. Yeah, we should give a big up to Ian Britton, who made forty-five appearances. He was our leading appearance maker that season. I think he was better as a midfield player, which he started playing at before mm. he'd been a winger. And I, I never quite got him bombing down the wing because he he was he was pacey, but I did was a bit flimsy, and he didn't have much skill. He just booted him a bit like Clive Walker. So Clive Walker was much quicker, but uh, midfield he revealed that he did. He could cross the ball though. He could cross well, 
but it, it, it but I think midfield he revealed that he was actually better uh, he was he was better set up mm. for that. So come on then boys, you were there, I wasn't. How infuriating was this season? Very up and down. Tony? Uh, well again, I, I I was glad we hadn't got relegated. Did you think we might? Yeah, because although we'd come up the year before, the you know, the fact that we again hadn't bought anybody, that Eddie McCready had gone, that they'd promoted this guy that I'd never heard of, that that apparently everyone else had heard of, um becomes a uh, it, it just became that kind of my point of view was that if we stayed in the league in Division One that year, we'd have done well and we would have had a chance to 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 do something going ahead. But we singularly failed to do that, as as you'll know from the, the following season when we finished, well, you know, rock bottom. But um, it, I think it was just uh, the warning signs were there, and I go back to what J.K. said: there was a board in place. Um, that they were skint. I get that. Okay, it was very much pre the huge amounts of money being invested in football. They still had uh, a reasonable capacity at the ground. They had uh, a legacy of a club that should have been champions ten years before, maybe. Yeah, that were the only other club that George Best ever considered going to when he was at United or whatever. And it was almost like they had they they had this. They were handed a chalice which they firmly dropped and refused to pick up again. Um, and, and symptomatic of that is when you read the stories, and I've read some of the books Tim's done, and that you know that it was it was massively mismanaged in the background that club. Um, and, and so potentially the year after, it was probably on the cards. Uh, you know, the, we, we hadn't invested. We, we probably couldn't invest. Um, uh, and I think we were in danger from this year onwards of be becoming a yo-yo club. That was my fear, that we would mm. become, you know, QPR or a Burnley or a, a, a Wolves or a Derby or something that would be, you know, up for two years, back down for one, two years or whatever, you know. And, of course, it very nearly got even worse than that, didn't it, when we were very nearly relegated out of Division 2. Well, I thought yeah. we'd do a Fulham. I thought we'd go down to the third division. Actually. Yeah, but but do, we, did you did you think that about? The, I mean, you know, like Tony was saying with this season, it, it, it was infuriating. But did you think we might get relegated? Because we're only four points above yeah, those teams that got relegated. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't think the players were good enough. But because mm. they had been good enough the season before under McCready, but they they then displayed, I don't know, a lack of cohesion, a lack of team spirit that um, under McCready they hadn't had. He was so essential. <laughs> yeah. Didn't work under Shellato. Was was Ken Shellato up to it, J.K.? I no, I don't think. Ultimately, I think no. He didn't last. He didn't last the next season at all, did he? he didn't um, didn't they get rid of him after one season? I can't remember. Um, uh, no, clearly not. Clearly not, because they thought he might be able to. I don't know what they thought. Uh, would he keep Eddie Mac's way of doing things? No, obviously, he was his own man. Um, but he'd he'd come up from the youth. He didn't inject any of the youth he'd worked with. He kept with the same team, um, other than bringing in Aylett, who I didn't think was ever up to it. Um, there was a great enthusiasm. You always have that enthusiasm for a player, a new player who comes in. He scored a couple of times. Um, he kept going the following season, I remember, um, thinking perhaps he might become good. He, he, he bustled a lot. You always have that thing of... of Wanting somebody to do well. 
and then they're not up to it and you just sort of like you despair you know but you never a new player you never ever write them off at the beginning because you think well you know they it's a new environment for them if they come in and play wonderfully you think great we've got a great discovery here but at the same time they can always tail off as happens as well so with players but um it, it to me it just got worse and worse and you then you know you then despair at you know some of the 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 people would, would when the the team was 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 shouted out over the the tannoy before the game there'd be kind of mutters of dismay over certain players who yeah. the, the season before you'd been quite enthusiastic about because they weren't putting in very <coughs> putting in good enough performances but it was mm-hmm. it was i think the the problem with the season was that they played so wonderfully against liverpool and then they'd come and it's before the completely unpredictable they'd then come in and play absolutely dreadfully against yeah. It was the lack of consistency. But yeah, I thought you have to be really worried. I thought it was towards the end of the season, it was coming. Luckily, we beat Leicester. We then we beat Rangers and we drew with Man City. So we, we stayed up. But the, I think when they lost, they lost to Forest, Middlesbrough and Villa uh, three in a row. I thought, oh, bloody hell, they're going to go. There was a taking, there was a kind of collective taking foot off pedals yes. as that season petered out um, and that almost flirted with the fact that they could go down. In, in, you know, in the sense, I think that when it all started, they probably thought they were safe. And that was enough. That was possibly even the target for that season if they were setting targets back then. <clears throat> um, and, and, you know, they had to kind of lift themselves a bit, like you said, to get a few results to ensure that. But um, uh, I'm looking at the records and I can see that Shalito left uh, and was replaced that or the, the following season, I think, wasn't it, by Danny Blanchflower? Oh, yeah, which was a disaster. Absolutely. Well, let's let's hold our horses because we're going to get to that in the next few weeks. Yeah. But, uh, but it's interesting I, to hear it's interesting to hear you both be as frank and honest about the season as as you have been. Actually, I mean, I had no kind of real. I mean, for me, actually, it's really interesting. You know, in the, in the, in all the seasons we've been covered, there's been you know like a major thing happening or a real uh, a real kind of theme of where we are and i mean, really apart from us for me this season's always remembered by us tonking liverpool in the fa cup yeah. Yeah. and and everything else seems to have got missed out it was just like a nothing season apart from that i mean like next season is defined by the relegation as we know the season after that is defined by the absolute sense of awfulness and jeff hurst and danny blanchflower <laughs> You know, you can you can always earmark a particular season. Go, yeah. oh, it was about that. But as far as the league goes, this season's just washed over me. It was all about that FA Cup win against Liverpool. And just a final point, um, you know, you're talking about uh, Shalito and and was he up to it? Well, yeah, you know, sorry, Shalito, Jonathan. Cle- clearly, uh, no, I didn't do that to wind you up, but thank God we can see each other now. And I saw the the look of horror on your face. But, you, you, I mean, yes, OK, history absolutely unequivocally proves that he was not up to it. But I do, I mean, do you have an element of sympathy for him? Because his hands were so utterly tied behind his back. We had no signings. And we, we, we made that, I think, you know, really good point about, you know, Chelsea should have been in a position to do what Nottingham Forest did. Well, we should have been. But if you look at Forest and what did they do, they spent, um, you know, I think, you know, when they bought Peter Shilton... They paid a million quid for him. He was the most expensive goalkeeper ever. Clough was no fool. He buys Shilton. That changes that team. Uh, who else? Who else did he buy in? Did he? Did he buy in with Trevor Gemmel? Trevor Francis. He bought. 
No, not yet. It's a bit early for what that. For ultimate, ultimately, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, he does. He bought. He bought in Gemmel this season. Yeah. So he's brought in. You know, Gemmel, proven international player, superb player. Uh, you know, he two massive buys. That makes the dip. That's what propels them yeah. to win the league and the European Cup. And what do we bring in? We have Trevor Ayler, a kid from the youth. But also, but they, they they didn't do anything. You know the. The baseball ground and the city ground were just shitholes. Yeah, and 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 Kenny Burns as Alan May's I saw Alan May score yeah, yeah. sells me Birmingham, absolutely right. Birmingham, yeah, he, yeah, where he was a centre forward and he made exactly. it centre half. Um, yeah, that was that was uh, that was just gift. That was wonderful piece of management putting a guy who'd been they were really filthy centre forward into a really combative filthy centre back. Yeah, completely filthy, but <laughs> intriguing but, the way it worked because he was so good at, at getting headers, but um. Uh, no, it, it made you realise that if they hadn't built the stand, um, the whole of Chelsea's history would have been completely different. Yeah. With us possibly competing for European honours. But uh, we would never have had Hoddle, <coughs> never have had Hullet, we'd never have had Bates, no. we'd never have had um, uh, Abramovich. Yeah. Well, it was not to be, and uh, next season we'll carry on this wonderful saga. It's like the Foresight saga, but for Chelsea, really, isn't it? It, it is. There was there and, was three uh, shining bright lights in 1978. Well, there we it, go. And, more like and the Bruce be, Forsyth saga. The Bruce Forsyth saga, exactly. Yeah. 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 So that'll three, be 70. Three, it'll be three shining bright moments of 1978, aside from from the, the ones we've mentioned and the kit, the stupendously fantastic kit. Um, was that Ricardo Cavallo, Didier Drogba and Frank Lampard were all born that year. Well, there we go. There's a silver cloud on every lining, or the <laughs> silver lining on every cloud, if you prefer. Um, all right, uh, so next week it'll be 78-79. Do tune into that one. It'll be great for We'll have Mark Meehan coming back uh, to do that. For some reason, he loves that season. He's a masochist. Anyway, um, <laughs> some of these players, uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to interview for this Chelsea special uh, a few uh, well, a few months back now, at the beginning of the season, really. Uh, and it's great. It's a load of interviews with ex-Chelsea players that have all been put up as podcasts on uh, the Podbean platform called Chelsea Special. So we've got Kerry Dixon, Bobby Tambling, Chopper Harris, Tommy Baldwin, Johnny Boyle, John Bumps, and Gary Chivers, Colin Pates, Paul Cannaval, and even Danny Eccles Harkins. Uh, so that's uh, loads of interest there. So do go to chelseaspecial.podbean.com and download them all if you can, but you can do them all individually. The cost is £2.99 each podcast, which we've had to charge because basically we've, we've shelled out a load of money uh, to, to record these and, and pay the guys and everything else. So there we go, chelseaspecial.podbean.com. Uh, when you get to the homepage, you just click on, or you go scroll down, find the episode you want, uh, click on buy single episode now, and it'll take you to a uh, a payment wall or whatever you call it and off you jolly well go it's also got a website chelseaspecial.com and on twitter at chelsea underscore special so do give us a follow and of course we're on facebook too now after this very short break we've got loads of emails to catch up on real fans real opinions I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Okay, welcome back to the Chelsea Fancast. I'm Stanford Chidge. Uh, you've got in the blue corner Jonathan Kidd. Whoop. And in the blue corner, Tony Glover. Twit two. 
There are no other colours in the Chelsea Fancast <laughs> corner thing. Uh, right, um, okay, it's time for emails. Now, we were a bit remiss last week because we waffled on for so long. We, ra- we really ran out of time to do any emails, and there were loads to do. Uh, so without further ado, Mr. Kidd, John, uh, Stephen Marshall. Could, could, by the way, could we have red piping if we're in blue corner? Because there is that in the badge. Uh, yes, I'll think about it. A bit of that? Thank you, good, all right. Yeah. Uh, Steve Marshall, uh, hi Chidge and the boys. It's me, I'm one of the boys. Thank you. Thank you for reading my mail regarding the FA Cup last week and to Chidge for remembering me. Uh, you said that you enjoyed the questions on what were the best and worst FA Cup finals from both a Chelsea and a neutral perspective. So I thought, why not follow it up with the same questions on the League Cup? Some of my favourite Chelsea memories are of our contests in the League Cup, such as when we dished out a rare defeat to would-be champions Arsenal in the 1970s. Uh, 1997-98 season before going on to beat poor Borough in another Borough in another final. Also, our great final wins over Liverpool, Arsenal and Spurs will forever remain in the memory. I also have an additional question regarding the League Cup. How do you view it? It's another competition that is often referred to as Mickey Mouse, but given there are only three domestic trophies you can win and that the Cup has a long history all of its own, I feel it should be treated with more, uh, more of a, a lot more respect. I understand it's the third choice of the three. That doesn't mean it's not a great competition to win. It's another competition that's fallen victim to the Sky Sports media who think everything is all about top four and the revenue it brings. As you can probably tell, it really irritates me to see people devalue great trophies. Yeah. Lastly, I've started my own YouTube video cast t- titled PL Seasons to Remember, where I do uh, a 30 to 40 minute Skype video call with my fellow football fans, either on current news or on memories of football during the Premier League era. I wonder, would any of you fine folk be willing to join us for an episode? Ooh. Of course, would be amazing to get some insights into your greatest memories as such. I think if we're listening to us here, you'll realise that we haven't got any. They just disappear. Yeah, but we'll turn up to the opening of an envelope. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. We'll, and we'll lie. We'll lie about it. Anyway, thanks again, guys. Remember to stay, stay safe up the Chels. Kind regards, Stephen. I, agree. I I love the League Cup. I want to win yeah. it. I love it. I'm, I get so disappointed when we when we go out of any competition. Yeah. Oh, I mean, oh. it's a it, how old is introduced by Alan Hardacre, wasn't it? Back in the late fifties, early sixties, or something. So it's hardly a new competition in that sense. First cup trophy we won. Yeah, yeah, and I I, I think you know, like all the cups are devalued to some degree because of the Champions League and the and the. The filthy Luca that sits at the end of the, the the you know qualifying for either one of them. Personally, I, I think there should be uh, a playoff between the FA Cup winners and the League Cup winners for some sort of place in Europe or something. I think that would be fabulous because that would really add value to that. Both competitions, mm. I think. I, I'm a fan of the League Cup because I've had a, I've had a lot of fun watching it yeah. down the years, and yeah. you know when we win it, I, I treat it like any Didn't any other trophy we really win. Went seriously, at it because he said winning, yeah. winning breeds winning, doesn't it? It was yeah. like, you know, win it, absolutely. Get a yeah. yeah, and I remember that. Uh, I remember the uh, the Chelsea Arsenal. I was funny enough talking about it the other day because uh, I couldn't remember the chant that we sang. I wasn't there, but Martin and I used to sing it all the time because we thumped Arsenal five nil. Our second team beat their second team 5-0. So even back in the late 90s, clubs were disrespecting it. But it was 1-2, yeah. 1-2-3, 1-2-3-4, 5-0. That was uh, being sung religiously. Uh, so, yeah, Steve, I love the uh, the League Cup. I remember going to that game, the 5-0, was always um, uh, ashamed that both sides had put out um, weak, weak teams. I felt it devalued it completely, yeah. even though we won it that year. I just nonetheless just felt... 
Um, it's not proper because we haven't done this. We haven't gone for it. They didn't go for it properly. I just well, though we re- we've rarely done that since. I mean, we we've always taken all the cup competitions. I mean, bizarrely, in this you know uber successful period that we've been in, I think largely thanks to Mourinho, we've 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 done them justice mm-hmm. when we can. So yeah. that's so uh, good. Uh, great email, Stephen. You know where to get hold of us. I'm sure uh, any anyone or all of us would be interested in uh, helping you out. Just give us a shout. We're all rather busy, but don't let that phase you. Just get get in touch and we'll figure it out. Yes, Jonathan. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely, Tony. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we might do all three of us at one go. That'll sort you out. Oh, yeah, you'll, you'll be careful what you good, wish for. Yeah, good luck with that, mate. I, I, I fail singularly to cope every week. So, you know, if you can do that, you're a better man than me. And then you'll have me to contend with, not being sensible. And that, that's that's the point. It'll all go down the swanny. Anyway, uh, second email is from William Clayforth. Uh, hello, Podfather, Chidge, Kiddo, and special guests, whomever you may be. That would be Tony. This is me, uh, I thought I'd email in seeing as there are a shortage of them at the moment. Yes, well, that was until last week when everybody did it at once. Firstly, it's nice to hear from last week's emails that I'm not the only Chelsea fan from Leeds. Ah, it's that, William. I remember you. And just like Stephen, I've been told many times uh, by friends to support locally. As a younger fan, I love listening to the 50 years of Chelsea, so keep them coming. The weekly episodes keep me thoroughly entertained while at work. I'm one of the lucky people still able to continue working. Well, good for you. Landscaping and gardening, if any of you were interested in what I do. Not a long email, but better than none at all. Keep up the good work. And finally, when all the chaos is over and the world returns to normality, if you're ever in Leeds again for the cricket, Chidge, I'll be happy enough to meet up and buy you a cold pint of beer of your choosing. I'm not a massive fan of cricket, but I'm a fan of alcohol. Well, I'm a fan of both, uh, William, so I'm up for that. Uh, the, weird, the weird thing is, is that I uh, this year we're not... We're not doing Headingley this year. We've got tickets for Nottingham, uh, for Trent Bridge. But I have a suspicion, we, we, even if it was at Headingley, we probably won't be going because I don't think they're going to have any, uh, like the football, they're, they're doing it all behind closed doors. So that's a big shame. Anyway, there we go. Good to hear from you, William, and uh, keep the blue flag flying high up in the frozen north. Jonathan. This is from Nate Piacentino. hope I pronounced that properly, Nate. Greetings and... How, how, are, you, how are you sure it's not P- Piacentino? Like Shalito, Sh- Shalito... Piacentino. No, I'm only pulling it in. Is it Nate? It could be. Yeah, I don't think it is. I think it's Nate. Nate. It's Nate. Yeah, yeah. Piacentino. 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 No, that's okay. Turned on my New York accent. Don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. You have to go a boot. You have to go for a Canadian uh, a boot, and uh, all the the it's the Scots O in it. Um. Anyway. Um. Enough. Uh, Nova Scotia, New Scotland. Anyway, uh, greetings and salutations from Canada. Thank you for all for continuing to do the fan cast throughout the lockdown. It's our, our joy. I've really been enjoying the history lessons each week. I especially like the My Chelsea series. It's all been great to learn more about your individual fandoms. However, I must say, I was somewhat disappointed with all of your negativity surrounding the return of football with no fans. Ooh. After all, beggars can't be choosers. Again, personally, I'm choosing to look on the bright side. Poisonally. Poisonally. I'm choosing to look on the bright side to be happy. No, no, that's New York. Just be happy that football <laughs> at all, rather than criticise something for what it isn't. I believe rather than criticise something for what it isn't, I believe it's much better to celebrate something for what it is. Sure, fans in the stands would obviously make this good thing better, but the lack of fans doesn't make it <coughs> as you would say. I don't think any of us have said total shit. Any- I probably did. No, you did, Chidge. Yeah, I didn't say that. Perhaps I did as well. Did- I stand by it. It's total shit. Yeah. 
If you love football, <laughs> remember you love football for the game, for the game, not just for the atmosphere. No, no, you love it for both. Remember the thrill of seeing a long-range strike soaring to the top corner. Yeah, and then we got to hug your friend or the sense of awe from watching awe, from watching quick pass and move team play unlock a back line. Uh, yeah, perhaps the absence of live sporting events has made me overly sentimental, but I'm just grateful for what I can get at this time. If this lockdown has taught me anything, it's not to take the little things for granted, like going out for a coffee or a perfect sliding tackle. All that being said, I do understand your point of view. So if you're struggling to stay interested, then just put some money on the game, because not unlike fans, gambling makes a good thing better. No, no. Anyways, we all have much bigger concerns these days, but football is the most important, unimportant thing in the world. I'm just happy that it's coming back in any form. Stay safe. Keep your head up. Keep the blue flag flying high. Nate. Yeah, perhaps we have been uh, cruel and it'd be lovely to see it. But um, uh, I think, as you said, Chidge, that not having crowds has just meant it's made it a little bit anodyne, to use a word. Like having sex with a condom, mate. Yeah. Not the same. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's free. Yeah. yeah, no feeling and it goes down. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, but, so uh, I've got this point I was going to make. Just what you brought up there, the tackling, sliding tackles. Just to just to la overlap this back into what into the history. It, it was it's interesting watching some of the tackles that you just wouldn't see anymore. Some of these really yeah. horrific, horrific crunches that went on in that era, but. Uh, um, I, I noticed from some of the clips I was watching today is, and, and, and whatever as well, um, it's just how little aggro there was between most of the players. They just accepted the yeah. tackle, they looked to go back and just yeah. a, a yeah. little handshake or a tap or a little... Yeah. I'll get Men's game. And carry on. Yeah, men's game. Apart, apart from, apart from something I noticed bizarrely, which was David Johnson, who I always used to think uh, not not the one that we know, the one that played for Liverpool up front. In the seventies, it looked like a. It looked like he just walked off the a, a Beatles set or a Ruttle set. He had yeah. that archetypal kind of odd bowl-like uh, yeah. haircut with a tash. Yeah. So kind of Sergeant Pepper era Beatle. Yeah. That's what he looked like. Uh, and he, you know, in the, in the last few minutes, uh, I think it was Benetti. Uh, uh, was it Benetti or oh, Phillips? Was Benetti? Yeah, grabbed yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Grab. Well, hardly yes. touched him, and he went over like he'd been shot, and, and then, then started bawling for a penalty. Yeah, and I thought bloody typical. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're still at it even then. Uh, look, Nate, I think we made it pretty clear um, in the first part of tonight's show that you know, look, you know, we understand why it has to come back. We're, we're, we'll all watch it. We'll all be delighted to see Chelsea play football again. But I'm sorry, there has to be a symbiosis. It's you know, I, I, I flippantly said sex without a condom. I could have easily said, you know, putting on a play. Uh, you know, without being, without having a live audience there, you know, some things yeah. are supposed to go together, and and I think you know, football or any live sport really, you know, lends itself to having live spectators there. They make each other better, and I I, I think that there's a, a a split here. Now, I'm not trying to impugn you and accuse you of this. I'm not trying to accuse anybody of this, but I think there is a subtle difference here between people that have grown up with FIFA you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, all of those kind of things, and people who haven't. And I think that those that have grown up with the computerization of football find it a lot easier to accept that that, that you can have, a, you know, a game set in a sterile atmosphere or a made-for-TV atmosphere. Yeah. Whereas those of us who grew up, you know, just, I mean, you know, 
if if you'd have said to us all 30 40 years ago that football would be like it is now we'd have laughed at you yeah. you know failure to comprehend so i think i think there may be a bit of a generational thing coming in here but look I worry that I worry that the fans are being edged out longer term because I think the TV companies have far more far too much control over the game. If anything, this proves it. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I used to play football when I was a kid, and I compared the football that's being played in the Bundesliga at the moment. Like it was like the five sides I used to play, and I used to go to these five side tournaments that are played in sports halls. And of course, you get this wonderful echo around them, but you have a few kind of like friends and family there making a racket. But it's like four or five voices in a stadium, and it sounded like that. And it's just wrong. It's wrong, mate. But look, don't panic. You know, we'll we'll be watching it because we love Chelsea and we love football, and we'll get a kick out of it and we'll enjoy it and we'll come on the fan cast and talk about it. Yeah. But you know, let's let's not you know let's not you know brush over this period of history and pretend that it's not happening because what's happening is flaming well awful. That said, Nate, we love you to pieces, and I hope you're well and staying so safe up in uh, Toronto. I think it is where you're from, isn't it? So there you go. Okay, Neil Spencer, dear fancast heroes. I like that straight. I like that. Yeah, he gets the email of the week for that. Yeah. Uh, as an Englishman just outside of New York, Connecticut, or Connecticut, as we should say, your podcasts are enormously well received. Just uh, like many of you, I'm of the let's call it middle-aged variety. Is that your dog growling? Uh, I'm afraid they're having a little fight, so I'll mute while they. No, I thought I thought it was your tummy or your dog. No, no, it's anyway. the dogs. Definitely having a little fight. All right. Like many of you, I am of the let's call it middle-aged variety that saw a lot of action in the 80s and 90s, although just as the Renaissance was starting to bear fruit in the early 90s, I moved away to New York just after that god-awful cup final loss to Rhino. Nice. Uh, I absolutely love the season-by-season season journey back in time, as well as the My Chelsea feature. And as wisdom shows, we should never let a crisis go to waste. So you've transformed your podcast into something as good, if not better, than you already produced. Well, thank you. What a lovely thing to say. As you're coming up to the 76-77 season, I was once again reminded of my first game away at Charlton on April the 11th, 1977. I was born in Torquay, however my entire family from the Woolwich Charlton area. I was taken to the Valley aged nine in 77 with my Charlton supporting dad and uncle. I was excited to see the legendary Chopper Harrison action as well as Ray Wilkins, Gary Stanley and all the other heroes. Despite my South Devon roots, I became a Chelsea fan in the early 70s largely on the basis of a fat oversized Chelsea watch that a mate's older brother had that a mate's older brother had, a classic 70s bit of questionable fashion. We were the kings of the King's Road, of course, and even at a very young age, that was massively appealing. So despite my South East London heritage, it was SW6 for me. Going into the valley and standing on their massive bank side, oh, it was huge, wasn't it? I had no comprehension of what was about to happen in front of me. Yes, we lost 4-0, and Flanagan got a hat-trick, but I have no recollection of those goals whatsoever. My memories are simply of a massive wall of Chelsea fans clearing out the Charlton home end. It was simply astonishing. One block of fans on the run, the other block charging at them. Once secured by Chelsea, and during ongoing fighting with a few fans and the police, they managed to set a fire at what looked like the foot of the goalpost. My memory has faded, and it was probably a fiery ball of newspaper, of course, but to a nine-year-old it was mind-blowing. The clubhouse was subsequently destroyed, as well as the turnstiles. I believe, but again, sorry, I believe, but again, they are memories. I presume that it must have become a regular in the uh, shed and the West End, and like you guys, well, 
You missed the line out. I presume. Did I? I thought I had actually because I'm I'm trying reading it through my microphone, which is not too bright. Um, the clubhouse was subsequently destroyed, as well as the turnstiles, I believe. But again, they are my memories. I presume that it must have been a fright, been frightening, but it didn't put me off the team or indeed attending. Having moved to London in the 80s, I became a regular in the shed and the West Stand. And like you guys, I missed the days when we were simply fans. No corporates, no tourists, just fans down the bridge making a lot of noise. Away games are even better for many reasons, of course. And whilst many would say that Munich or many of the recent final appearances were their best, mine was away at QPR in 1991, where a Townsend Thunderbolt and mega late wise equaliser got us a point. Just like most other Chelsea fans, I was in one of the Rangers stands, and when we equalised, all four sides got up and went crazy. I used to love going there. It was like Chelsea's other little ground. I lived in Hong Kong from 2007 to 2010, returning to London for a two-year stint from uh, from 10 till 12, and thus had the opportunity to introduce my Chelsea-supporting sons to the bridge. Also, their first game was a 3-0 home defeat to Sunderland in 2010. But whilst they saw our boys lose time, uh, lose first time out, just as I did 33 years earlier, at least there was no mass brawls. At least none that we saw. I don't think there were. Anyway, they did at least get the smell of horse shit and onions on the Fulham Road, as well as listen to the liquidator before it was ruined, which in many ways is what I, I took them for. We returned to the US in 2012, and our last live game was the 2-0 cup final win over the car thieves. It was a nice way to go out. But now we'll be back, and even here in the land of Agent Orange and general craziness, we always keep the blue flag flying high. Cheers, boys and girl, Neil. What a brilliant email, Tony. I great stuff. Yeah, because he's kind of summed up what the seventies was a bit like, you know, with the, yeah. uh, when everybody thought they were uh, reenacting Zulu um, uh, at football, you know, with charges and God only knows whatever else. I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by the stuff from. Uh, I remember that three 0 home defeat to Sunderland because it was the day I think Carlo played. Uh, Paolo Ferreira at centre back when Jeffrey Bruma, who had and done anything played, wrong, played Van Arnholt. Yes, and, and it was like told to do this by by Roman, and it yeah. was actually a nail in his coffin for the for the sacking. Yeah, he couldn't deal with it, and he, I remember him on the touchline going, "Oh, yeah. all the time because they made all the errors. All the youth made the errors. Yeah, and I, I, I remember when the team was announced, everybody in the clubhouse went, "What." You know, it was just that kind of, yeah. what on earth is this, you know? But, um, and and he's, he, he makes the point that we've made before about the liquidator before it was ruined. You know, I know we let the Chelsea song police all over us going, we can sing what we like, but um, uh, my mate... It's wrong, isn't it? We all know it's uh, wrong. My mate is convinced that they've always sung it. And he's like, oh, no. since 1950, when it came out, song, we've always sung it. I said, no, we haven't. Well, I said, I'll go back five or six years. I don't remember hearing that in Liquidator. It's just a fairly recent addition. It's recent, completely recent. Yeah. I'm yeah. old enough to remember that. It's just... Yeah. Bollocks. It's funny, isn't it? On on last week's episode, J.K., we talked to Mark about the the bonfires at the valley, and that was a, it was definitely a thing. So uh, yeah. Neil Neil's not imagining that. So that aspect of going through and being and taking teams out. I remember bizarrely, I found myself. Uh, sorry, teams taking supporters out of. Taking ends. ends. I remember bizarrely, I went with a mate and watched uh, Arsenal West Ham at Highbury. And we got there really early and uh, uh, Chelsea weren't playing. And I don't know what was the reason I was there, but um, we got we were on a crush barrier behind the gold, got there. And we ended up um, being uh, all the West Ham fans came and it was a huge fight. And I found myself 
standing on my own in the middle of the, you know, how those holes developed. You know, there'd be a, and everybody's looking at threat threatening. And I was just standing there with my hands on a stanchion thinking, what do I do? I don't have any allegiance for either of these teams. I don't know where to go. And Who was this? Who was playing? Arsenal versus West Ham. I was at Highbury. And I, You're great, Nana. What were you doing I, there? I got a mate said I've got a ticket and Chelsea weren't playing. I don't know what it was. Who did you hate more, West Ham or Arsenal? Oh, Hammers, Hammers. You see, that's that's your first mistake. You should have gone straight over to the West Ham side because we all know they had a better firm than Arsenal. Yeah, I was a fool. Anyway, but I, I, I remember going. I did that terrible thing. Going, oh, hello. Um, you uh, should have. You should have stood there, mate, and just got up in the middle with your fist in your head, going ICF. <laughs> you know, and then run. All these hit. I ran, <laughs> I ran anyway. I ran. I got there so soon. We then found ourselves watching the whole of the game by the corner flag. You know, I thought, oh, God, because we're pushed down there. Well, I ran down there anyway. <laughs> crazy, crazy times. It was, it was like... such a weird time because you were so scary. Yeah, I was always yeah. scared. You were uh, you were scared, but by being beaten up by your own bloody supporters, as you said, Tony, anybody there, well, you you were, you were, fair any that came towards you, you were fair game just for standing yeah. there looking at them. And yeah. uh, and then you were you went and watched your own side, and the opposition were trying to push you out of where you were watching. Oh, it was so difficult. Feral, mate. Feral. Right, we've got a really brilliant, 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 really long. Uh, it's not an email actually. This is an Instagram message from the lovely, lovely Jay Whitcroft. By the way, Jay, thank you for signing up to Patreon. You're an absolute trooper, mate. Um, can you work out how this goes? You go left to right, basically, in blocks, JK. If, you, if you're if you going to struggle, let me know. and I, I know it, so I can do it if you want. So it's He's all, thinking. It's all down the left side. So you go down, you go left and then to the right, and then left again, and then to the right. I'll have a and go, then left. I'll have a go. I'll, I'll give you directions should you need it. Do you think ever has that song, Witchcraft? Witchcraft. I know, I know, but I wonder whether or not anybody ever... <laughs> <laughs> Dear God, help us! <laughs> Off you go. You can tell I'm in lockdown. You can tell. Um, fan message from a loyal Anglo-American listener and recent Patreon pledge. Apologies for my oh, yeah, none at all. None. Where were you? None needed. None needed. Oh no, no, absolutely fantastic. Lovely to speak to you from across the pond. Hello, Chidge and the boys. Me, I'm one of the boys. Uh, I should really say sirs because of my juniority. I love that word, juniority. I'm in the summer of my 32nd year. Oh, you're a mere pup. And 16th as a Chelsea fan. Oh, that may not be such an odd st starting year for an American Premier League fan, as, that when, as that's when games started showing on TV in the States. Albeit, I love that word, only on Satanta Sports, RIP, and usually in Irish pubs. But I was actually a fan of the Premier League 10 years before that. My dad was a US Airman stationed in East Anglia. Mildon Hall Air Force Base in the mid to the late 90s. Would you believe I was in a band that played at that very base, but in 1981. Anyway, um, uh, I went to a primary school in a small village called Hillgate, close to Norwich, and in another town called Newmarket. I remember it fondly. The Premier League sticker books finally being asked, Oi, you want to play some footy? After only initially being invited to basketball, which I was shit at. 
the penny candy shops, the smart uniforms. I still hold my fork and knife. It's actually knife and fork properly to this. <laughs> I, I know, but he's, he's got it wrong. He's got it wrong. I actually played on the pitch at Carrow Road with my schoolmates then in the kids' games during half time. Oh, God, I never did that bridge. Good for you. Not that I was a Canaries fan. No. The, those were the Man United years of gigs, Cole, Skulls, the Neville brothers, and of course, Beckham, as well as Shearer and Owen. I'm embarrassed to admit, but I believe I still have two old United Umbro kits. Ooh, a Peter Schmeichel goalkeeper kit. Ooh, and ironically, a Chelsea-like blew away one of theirs, tucked away in a box somewhere. Anyway, a couple years later, it's a couple of actually, a couple of years later, we returned to the States and my connection with the Premier League was severed not to be restored until the 2000s when the Premier League and Chelsea games started airing on American TVs. That's when I fell in love with Lampard and John Terry and Drogba and Joe Cole and was hooked from that point onwards. Besides seeing the pre-season squad in almost every part of the US, my first proper Chelsea match at the bridge was in 2016 against Everton. I went with a friend, an Everton fan no less, and couldn't have wished for a better scoreline. 5-0, us. That was um, uh, uh, one of the great games, wasn't it? Against it's one of the best I've ever yeah, seen. It was yeah, Kerman's. Uh, yeah, I took my best mate Simon, who's a who's a Southampton fan, to that game because you know he loves football like I do, and in uh, you you know he would be a bit of a crack and a laugh, and he he just turned around to me as a, as a neutral, if you like, yeah. to say, "Mate, this is just the best football I've seen. This is amazing." So it was really well, good. Wonderful that day, weren't they? Yeah, it was also didn't what didn't um on match of the day uh, what's his face Motti said it, so didn't he the best best game I've ever seen yeah it was yeah. also best performances it was also Guy Fawkes day and the fireworks were spectacular I also tried to go to a game this year a friend I introduced to Chelsea and I was scheduled for the Chelsea Watford game at home but of course the pandemic hit fortunately I was able to get my money back which I can't say the same for a uh, for a Celtic Rangers derby I missed out on the year before, having flown all the way to Glasgow, only to realise the game was postponed due to the Six Nations Cup. Anyway, I'll get to the point. How fantastic has this season been? That's a rhetorical question, of course, because if someone can't get behind Frank fucking Lampard as our manager and this homegrown youth revolution, he or she is not a Chelsea fan or anyone I want to support the club with anyway. Just my humble opinion. Honestly, I'll be just as proud of this team achieving half as much as what those from the last 20 years have, which is still a lot, to be fair. And before anyone calls me spoilt, I'm also a match-going DC United fan. If you... Named after me, by the way. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, um, yes, David, uh, David Jajarama. Which, if you don't know, is <laughs> with essentially the exact opposite history of Chelsea, full of past glory and present shambles it was a bit like Chelsea in the 70s. Yeah. I know what, well, late 70s. I know what a fall from grace and 15 losing seasons in a row feels like, which is why I've enjoyed listening to your recent pods in particular while painting my fence, admittedly. Well, you know, why not? Fence painting, something to do when you're listening. As well as those from the London is Blue and the Chelsea, reading the liquidator and learning so much about Chelsea's history. Instead of a point of misinformed shame or ignorant jest that we ain't got no history, it's clear how proud us Chelsea fans should be of where we've come from and in light of this season and recent charitable acts where it's going, especially us newish fans from afar. Anyway, thanks for your continued stewardship. Here's to 500 more. Keep the blue flag flying sky high and up the Chelsea as safely and responsibly as we can. Sincerely, Jay. P.S. J.K., as much as your faux Texan accent tickles me. I don't know what you mean, boy, by faux. 
uh, pretty good. Actually, I'm sounding a bit too black there, I think. Uh, as an East Coaster, I'll cringe painfully if that's how you read this email. No, I, I haven't, Jay. I have. He's read it perfectly read English, it Perfectly English and corrected your English, actually, if you've noticed. P.S. <laughs> Here's a pic of second-generation Chelsea fan Ellis and his dad, me, from last November. And to the listeners, he's wearing the... Uh, um, the um, 1990... Two, no, it's 2005 shirt. Yeah, I was about to say. Is it 2005? Is it... Yeah, it's the, cent- it's the centenary, centenary shirt. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his little kid is in a, a little... Lovely. Little Chelsea, uh, little Chelsea kids... Baby grow. Baby grow thing, yeah, yeah. And he's wearing he's lovely. yellow trousers, which I'm not sure about. That could be... Khaki pants. Second, second kit. And... Known as khaki pants in the States, mate. Are they khaki pants? Okay, okay. And, uh, and what else? Um... And he's wearing a t-shirt underneath it, long, yeah. And he's got a beard and short hair. He's a nice bloke, nice looking bloke. He's a nice looking bloke. Everybody, lovely little baby too. You should be very proud Lord. of your son, Alice. He looks great, mate. And what a fantastic email. Period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. brilliant email. They're corkers this week. Tony, anything to say? Not really. I, I, I enjoy it. It's just a lovely story, isn't it? Just that. Yeah, um, it is. I, I, I love the reference to um, DC United being the polar opposite of Chelsea. Um, it's quite quite a powerful picture, really. You know, they were good. Yeah, now indeed. they're not. Um, whereas we've heard all them years, like you said, in the seventies and eighties, nothing, and then a twenty first century powerhouse. It must be like being a QPR fan, I suppose. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, email six from Andrew Self. Uh, gents, uh, now Andrew was in Mixler earlier on. I, st- I hope he's hung out to, to, to listen to this one. Anyway, gents, I just wanted to say how much I'm enjoying the weekly season reviews on the fancast. I became a Chelsea fan in 1970 at the age of six when my dad, who worked as a printer for a company who types out adverts in newspapers and magazines, bought home a programme and two rosettes, one Dirty Leeds and one Chelsea the day before the cup final. It turned out that his company had typeset a number of the adverts in the cup final programme and part payment for the job were a couple of match tickets for the boss and his wife and a number of match day programmes for the staff. So my dad snaffled a programme and bought the two rosettes. As my brother was older than me, he chose the Leeds rosette and I got the Chelsea one. So there and then I began to follow the blues. It could have been so different but for my brother's choice. Anyway, skipping ahead, my dad was not really a huge football fan, but suffered me banging on about Chelsea year on year, begging him to let me go and see them play. Eventually, he agreed after several years and considered that I was now old enough to go to a few games. Now aged 12, season 76-77 was my first game, which was Millwall away. Good grief. What the hell was I thinking? But my mum, who worked in a bank, had a colleague who was a season ticket holder at Chelsea. He had a ticket in the stand at Millwall for the game. No idea how he got it, but he agreed to take me to the game and meet me afterwards. That satisfied mum and dad. I vaguely remember a bit of naughtiness in the away end, but I only remember being disappointed that we had lost 3-0. We, we did cover that game last week, actually, didn't we? I obviously never mentioned the hooliganism, or they would never have let me go again. My next game was the Charlton Athletic away game in the same season in mid-April when we lost 4-0. Me, a friend and his dad, who was a copper, had tickets in the main stand at the Valley. I vividly remember the mayhem. It's amazing, isn't it? This has really been seared into people's minds who were there. It's two emails this week about it, brilliantly. I vividly remember the mayhem that was ensuing in the away end when a fire broke out, which you referred to in last week's show. But what you did not say was that the Chelsea fans who were occupying the home end also started to fire behind the Chelsea goal as well. Well, maybe it was cold or something. I don't know. Uh, maybe they'll be, maybe they'd all bought braziers 
not to be confused with braziers. But uh, anyway, but what did you say? Uh, sorry, what, but what you what you did not say was that the Chelsea fans who were occupying the home end also started to fire behind the Chelsea goal as well. So fortunately for us, being with a policeman in the stand who was aware of what was happening outside the ground at the end of the game, we stayed behind for what seemed like hours, but was probably 30 to 45 minutes to allow the rather toxic atmosphere to dissipate. This brings me to uh, the season for today's fan cast, 77-78 and my first home game. Having seen Chelsea beat Liverpool 4-2 in the third round of the FA Cup on match of the day, I went into school, cock-a-hoop, on the Monday, as many of my friends were Liverpool supporters, glory-hunting tossers. Then, to my surprise, my dad agreed that we could go to the Burnley fourth-round tie at the bridge on Saturday the 28th of Jan. He got tickets during the week, and we set off in the car for the match. I remember it was a very cold day, and as we were driving from south-east London to Chelsea... We had we had we had the radio on and we heard that matches were being called off left, right and centre. Frozen pictures all over the place. I listened intently, hoping beyond hope that the Chelsea game was not mentioned. But alas, as we were only a couple of miles from the ground, we heard the news that the cup game against Burnley had been postponed. I was devastated. The game was to be played the following Tuesday at 7.30pm, but it was a school night and I now had no hope of going to see Chelsea play at the bridge. Sensing my utter disappointment, my dad said that he would leave work early on Tuesday night, get home, pick me up and drive to Chelsea. I was ecstatic it was going to happen. True to his word, we got to the ground and sat in the East End Lower, ironically exactly the same part of the ground that my boys and I now sit 40 odd years later. Set for the game to start, it did not bode well with Burnley scoring after 30 seconds. Oh no, my third Chelsea game and I've witnessed a 3-0 loss, a 4-0 loss and now potentially another loss, but this time at home. But I remember we scored three goals in quick time and we were well in control for the rest of the match. My first win as a Chelsea fan and more importantly my first game at the bridge. I've been hooked ever since and although I worked overseas for many years and when the kids came along found it difficult to spend the time and money watching Chelsea. I'm lucky enough now to have the money for me and my two boys now 21 and 19 to go to as many home and away games as we can. So for you and the Fancast crew to start your weekly look back at Chelsea from the season I became a supporter is very dear to my heart. And although my dear old dad has been gone for over 30 years, I'm sure he would have uh, he would have a chuckle to know that I have two Chelsea supporters of my own. Best wishes to all of you. Up the blues, Andrew Self. Well, there we go. Proof if proof was ever needed that I never read the emails before we go to air. So that it's like the first look for me when, when they go in there. Because had I read that, Andrew, then we would have known the answer to the, the perplexion about the Burnley match being on the Tuesday, which uh, I saw Alan May's score helped us out with. But if I'd have read this email, I'd have bloody known. We had a whole email about uh, it's, it. It's obvious now. I, I found a... Yeah. Well, I've got that three o'clock kickoff wrong. It's 7.30, but yeah. it wasn't waterlogged. It was frozen. Frozen. It was frozen, yeah. but I mean, I I just I just copy and paste and put them in, and then the first time we we get to see them is when we read them out, like which I like to do. We see them for the first time. I think that's yeah, that's why what I like. Uh, what a and the Charlton game again. J.K. gets writ large in the memory. It's brilliant, isn't it? But there, are, but there are now two fires. You wonder somebody else will write in and say there was another fire you've missed. Yeah, how many fires yeah. there were, but by the goalpost there was a fire. Perhaps somebody will say they set fire to the goal to the whole. Goal. Into the valley of fire rode the brave three thousand Chelsea fans. And there um, you go. I saw uh, um, the Who and um, uh, what's his name from the Velvet under Lou Reed there. Lou Reed. Oh. Wow, wow. Of course, it was probably they were probably you know set by Chelsea's pyromaniac maniac firm. Do you think? 
Do we have a pyromaniac wing to the military front of Chelsea fans? <laughs> Wasn't that the period where there was nobody there though at the at the um, the valley? Wasn't probably not. Wasn't the valley? Uh, when did it start again? Because there was. Oh no no it was it was still at the valley. Definitely at the valley, but I think it was another eighties when it went. Eighty when it went disappeared. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they moved. All right. Last email of the week, J.K. This is a cracker, by the way. Yeah. Hanford Chidge and Jonathan Kidd. Ooh, thank you very much. My name is Oliver Wilkins. I'd like to say thank you for the great podcast you and Jonathan do every week. Thank you very much, Ollie. Thanks, Chidge, for reading up my iTunes review on the show. I've now got down deeper, deeper, and down, down deep. Excuse me, deeper. Start again. I've now got down, down, deeper and down, saved to my phone. Sorry, I forgot to talk about the amazing guests on the show. I love them all. I'm loving the 50 years of Chelsea you're doing at the moment. This is going to be a pretty long email if you're happy to read my email out on the show. Well, we're not. Bye. Hmm. No, we are. <laughs> I'd like to talk about how I became a Chelsea fan. I started as a Man U fan. Sorry about that, but it was my, oh, boo. But it was my mum that said I had to be a Man U fan. But I was young then, six years old at the time. Yeah, I was a Wolves fan at six. I'm oops, ooh, I'm 23. <laughs> I said that. I'm 23 now. Well, for a week. I'm 23 now. But when I was that young, because they just won the FA Cup, I didn't really get football. I just liked playing it all the time. The only things I really knew about Man United were they played in red and Ronaldo played for them, along with Rooney, Rio Ferdinand and Ryan Giggs. And my favourite at the time was Van der Sar. Of course, he'd been Fulham, the goalkeeper at the time. In 2004, I met my mother and brother at my grandmother's. He pretty much convinced me to become a Chelsea fan, talking to me about Chelsea being the best team ever. I'm not sure what season I started as a Chelsea fan. Anyway, I was still only six or seven, but I watched the very boring 1-0 win over Man United on that day. It may have been the 2005-2006 season, so that would have been the season he told me to support Chelsea. As I got older, I got more into watching football, so about 11 or 12-ish, so a bigger fan now. Sadly, I only watched a few matches at Stamford Bridge. It's pretty expensive, I guess you guys all know that. But I watched most of the games on TV, if not all. And since two years ago, I've started listening to your podcast religiously. Especially now I don't have Sky Sports, as I don't live with my mum and dad anymore, as I moved out with my girlfriend. Sadly, she's a West Ham fan, but I still love her. That's true love, man. That is true love. Hey, She must be special. She must be very special. Uh, if I'm going to do my best and worst moment of being a Chelsea fan, the best moment is the Munich Champions League final and the Fernando Torres goal against Barcelona. The worst moment was the semi-final where we got robbed by the ref in the Champions League. You guys should all know what I'm talking about. You've done it a lot on the My Chelsea episodes that are amazing, by the way. My favourite season probably was the first season uh, under Antonio Conte. Just watching the football under him was great. And after, unfortunately, that season with Maurizio Sarr and... Uh, and after, unfortunately, the season with Maurizio Sarri. Loved the ideas and tactics of the man, personality-wise, and how the players performed. A very, very bad season. This is my best Chelsea team with only players I've seen in my life lifetime. So no Ray Wilkins or Zola or anyone else like that. But in goal would be Petr Cech, left-back Ashley Cole, then John Terry and Carvalho. Yeah, wonderful. As centre-backs, right-back Aspi. Midfield, Frank Lampard, Joe Cole, Michael Essien. Up front, Drogba with Eden Hazard and Willian. Absolutely love all the youngsters coming through like Tammy, Mason Mount, Rhys James, Tamori and Pulisic and Callum Hudson-Odoi. One of my prized Chelsea possessions is a, sh shine shirt, a signed shirt by Frank Lampard, the old Chelsea autoglass kit. And I wish I appreciated Eden Hazard more because for some dumb reason I had the feeling he was never going to leave. 
that's uh, that's uh yeah, i've had the same problem yeah i've done that before oh dear okay that's pretty much it i'd love to talk to you one day and meet up in person at the cock tavern talk about chelsea hope i get to meet you guys one day sorry the email's already long thank you guys very much for the amazing show all that stuff absolutely great i've got an addendum to this oh yes by ollie which came in today yes on Instagram because that 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 was emailed I think this is on Instagram uh right so I just want to say thank you I'm sure that Chidge oh this sorry that was to to uh to Dane I've got a question of the guys and guests and guests on the show I've sent me an email about a lot of stuff anyway I just found it a bit of a hard one this is the question do you Chidge Jonathan and Tony think that Billy Gilmore hang on uh, and Kante can play in the same starting eleven in midfield. I love them both. It's just that they're both not really tall. Plus, the team don't have a lot of tall players anyway. So, how do you guys think they can play at the same time? I hope you guys get uh, get the question. I'm yeah, no, no, there we go. So, uh, yeah, quick addendum from uh, Ollie about uh, Kante and Gilmore. Can they play in the same team, Tony? Yes, because I'm not convinced in the positions they play. The height is that big an issue. I mean. Anyway, Tony, if, if if you had them in the same team, you worry about the height. They could stand on each other's shoulders, and then they'd be about six foot they five. Would be, and um, as, as someone who's vertically challenged myself, I know exactly. And me, I know exactly how the feeling. I, I, actually, I actually think, yeah, I, I, it's professional skill, capability, and intelligence that counts rather than than height. And in the modern game, you know, when you look at all the best players in the world, none of them have been particularly giants, have they? Lionel Messi is not a giant, is he? Um, so I think. Yeah, I think I think it's very possible. I, I, I certainly think Gilmore is the future, um, and Kante, I think, has got to get past his being made of glass uh, issue that he's had for the last season or so, um, because otherwise it just becomes um, a slightly expensive um, football that you're carrying around with you. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would, you know, I'm, I'm impressed. I love Kante, but I think Billy Gilmore. Of all the youngsters, I suppose, in a way, uh, who looks like I said earlier on, he looks like he's he looks like he's about twelve, doesn't he? I mean, he really does look like the do you, uh, hard as nails, have, though, mate. Have you ever seen the film Kez? Yeah, he's he looks like, like, like him. Isn't he? That you know, it's like a sort of skinny waif-like thing that you just think you better. And uh, I find it quite exciting. So I think they could play it together. Yeah. David Bradley, name of the actor. David Bradley. Ah. Hey. So JK, can they play in the same team? Um, you'd have to play Kante uh, Kante uh, uh, further forward, wouldn't you? Because um, or on the right, be in the middle. Yeah, it'd be interesting to have him play on the right. It would be it, well. I mean, that's what Frank's done with him, isn't yeah, it? See what happens because because uh, it, it, the game, the last two games, Kante didn't play in, did he? The uh, the two games where Gilmore starred, no. uh, Giroud was um, was really top class, and they get a very good pattern of play going. I keep talking about it. I think they were just really excellent. They were really coming into their stride. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Well, it's interesting to see if Kante plays at all, isn't it? Given that he hasn't been training with them. He started training with them again, though, didn't he? So, um, yeah. Yeah. so perhaps uh, there's some, they've come to some kind of agreement over it. But um, yeah. he's definitely worried about his uh, his family being, uh, being possibly catching anything because they're all vulnerable. Yeah, he's back in training now, I think. I mean, look, the bottom line is, Ollie, by the way, Ollie, thank you so much for the kind words and for the great email. I loved your best and worst choices and your, your favourite team. I don't think any uh, any of us here disagree with any of your selections there. So great to hear from you. And this is a good question. Um, I don't think they can play in the same position. 
So, you know, if Frank decides that uh, Billy's on the right or Cantor's on the right, then it, it's it's two into one and, you know, one one will get chosen. But I do think they can play in the same team. I, I You know, I think Billy in the centre and, and, and Cantor on the right is perhaps the more favourable of the two. And I've long, long believed this. I mean, I know there's all this stuff talked about Cantor has to play deep lying, you know, kind of uh, central midfielder, kind of, you know, the destroyer at the base of the midfield. And he's brilliant at that. But actually, that was never the case. He was always playing in a two there on the pivot. And if we don't play 4-2-3-1 or whatever it was, then that ain't going to work. But I think Kante is a world-class player. And he can probably he can play anywhere on the pitch, probably apart from in the goal. So actually, stick him on the right. He's still a good player. And Billy Gilmore is the best player I've seen break through to Chelsea for 20 years. Yeah. So I think... Period. Uh, he's 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 at a young enough age to be developed and to play... Uh, a different role from Kante. They, that you know, he's at that age. His his final destination as a player has not yet been decided, has it? Mm. Good point. Good point. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant load of emails this week. Uh, don't forget, you can send them in to chelseafancast at gmail dot com. Do it before a Monday, and they'll get read out on the show. Of course, you can also do it via Instagram, as many people are beginning to do. So, thank you for to Dane for organising all the Instagram messages. That we've had this week as well. Now that I'm afraid, uh, I say it's all we've got time for this week. We've been here for two and a half bloody hours, but there you go. Uh, we'll be back next Monday when Jonathan and I will be joined again by Mark Meehan for his hat trick of uh, 70s appearances, and we're going to look back at the 78-79 season in our 50 years of Chelsea series. Obviously, we'll pick up on any uh, Chelsea-related news from the week as well, and uh, of course, we'll have some emails from you as well. I hope. Uh, now, before that, we've got another edition of uh, My Chelsea, which I'll put out on Friday. Uh, uh, there are some real big hitters to come, by the way. Um, Martin uh, Wickham, obviously from the Fan Cars Mob, Tim Rolls, Rick Glanville, uh, Chelsea Chadder. Uh, who else? I'm forgetting people now. Mark Meehan, uh, and of course Brandon Busby from London is Blue. He he'll be our first yank on the show, so look out for that one. They'll all be coming up on the subsequent Fridays. Uh, and as you well know, Chelsea Fancast is available as a podcast on ChelseaFancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, and Spotify, and other lesser-known podcast distributors. Uh, and talking of which, you can also find not that they're a lesser one, I hasten to add, but uh, they kind of aggregate all the Chelsea uh, podcasts, including ours, and they are CFC Blues, and they have an app, and uh, they uh, so eloquently announce here how you can access this app. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Uh, quick plug uh, for the My Chelsea's, obviously I've done that. Quick plug for History Hack, which is another podcast. Alex, the girl who likes balls, has been doing these phenomenally brilliant uh, podcasts on history. Check them out. They're absolutely gold dust. Uh, history Hack dot podbean.com alex is just a genius there's no other way to put it right you can follow the show on twitter at chelsea fancast me at stanford chiz jonathan at jonathan kidd tony at grocer jack uk dean at dean mears marco at gate 17 marco joe at joe tweedy clayton at goalie 59 martin at martin wickham dan at dan silver 73 liam at liam underscore to me and alex at cfcgwlb and uh, as i said uh, don't forget to check our instagram facebook and uh Twitter accounts at Chelsea Fancast. Right, enough. Time to go to bed. Uh, Tony, as always, an absolute delight to see you on the yeah, show. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure, and I've really enjoyed it because, um, uh, as much as I like a solitary lockdown life, uh, it suits, suits me in some ways because I'm not much of a people person, to be honest. 
um it's lovely to get on and do this and like the, the, the with the pub walkers on friday night and and uh, uh, and see some see some genuinely nice places lovely well the feeling is entirely mutual jk you've been brilliant as ever tonight on fire my friend on, but lovely to be on with tony as always well done tony Terrific. Yes. Good stuff. Uh, by the way, I, this is my lockdown hair. It is getting a little bit. Yeah, so is mine. You see mine? Yeah. I definitely need to cut. Yeah. Anyway, I don't care. I'm growing it long, mate. I'm just going for the last hurrah. I go back to before. what I said to you about being old earlier on. Curmudgeonly, don't give a shit anymore. I'll, I'll, I'll look at how I look. I'm too vain. I give a terrible shit. Look at it. It's too... I know. Bless you. <laughs> More hair than you've had for a long time, I know, to be I know fair. It, but nonetheless, it's so sparse. and you know. But I like my moustache and me. Myself. All right, I'm dying for a piss. I have to go. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, I just want to say thank you to all the people who've uh, turned up in Mixler tonight. I hope you've enjoyed the show as much as we have doing it. Always lovely to see you in there. Sorry I never get around to reading your posts out. I guess a bit, get a bit preoccupied and all of that. But lovely to see you in here. Uh, that's it. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills! <laughs> It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.